This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to a game day edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson, Michael Remus with you for the next couple of hours. Welcome to everyone watching on YouTube. Make sure you've hit that red subscribe button and subscribe to the channel. And shout out to the podcast listeners. If you are normally an audio listener, um, don't forget to check out the YouTube channel and give a sub and uh, check out what we've got going on with the video. And of course, if you can't watch it live, you can certainly catch it at your convenience after the show as it's always up there on uh, on the YouTube channel. It'll be a fun show today. Jets finishing up the road trip tonight in Nashville, Tennessee against the Predators. Robbie Stanley from NHL.com is going to jump on with us coming up in about 20 minutes. We'll get the latest on the home team and then talk a little bit more about the Jets at this point in the season and a look ahead to potential trade targets and more with Mike McIntyre of the Winnipeg Free Press. And later on, Mike Kelly from the NHL Network is going to join us. Mike's one of our favorites to talk about. He's got a very unique way of breaking things down. And Mike's got a really interesting video presentation that's up on his Twitter right now that he did with the NHL Network on how Mark Shifley has some bizarre numbers this year with his 29 goals but so few assists due to the lack of finish of some of the players that he's been playing with at times this year. So uh, we'll talk about Shifley's season with uh, with Mike Kelly and I'm sure get into some more fun NHL talk as well. Um, do have to thank the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. We couldn't do it without you. Princess Auto, Cool Bit Canada, Little Brown Jug, Culligan Water, Canadian Club, Vita Health Fresh Market, Wallace & Wallace, Consolidated Supply, F Apparel, Manitoba Battery, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Boston Pizza, Royal Sports, and we'll get to a not Autocorp why not question of the day a little later on as well. Let's get Remo in here and get things going. Remo, what's up? How are you? I'm feeling good, Huss. I'm ready for a game today. Let's end this game uh, on a positive on a positive note. Sorry, let me just adjust my camera. So I'm not on. But yeah, it's, uh, hey, end of the road trip. Uh, you've, you know, salvaged it after you lost the first two. And then now uh, you won two in a row, and now you can make it three in a row before returning home against a pretty favorable schedule, Huss, with Buffalo, uh, Philadelphia, St. Louis, uh, then Chicago coming up, so all teams out of the playoffs. Yeah, uh, uh, this is a real opportunity for the Winnipeg Jets to sort of, you know, make some more hay in the standings and stay up at the top of the Central and at the top of the Western Conference. Um, the Buffalo Sabres did the Jets a bit of a solid last night, beating the Dallas Stars in overtime, so the Stars just get one point. So Dallas comes into tonight's game on top of the Central, by one over Winnipeg, but the Jets do have a game in hand, and that game will be played tonight against these Nashville Predators. Preds, for their part, certainly in the mix right now, not out of it by any stretch, but have quite a bit of work to do. 46 games played, 50 points. So they're four games above 500, which is good for fifth in the Central Division but puts them at 10th in the Western Conference. I mean, they are chasing the Colorado Avalanche, who, of course, have a number of games in hand on some of the other teams in the mix. And then you've got the Calgary Flames at 55, the Edmonton Oilers at 57, right now holding down those wildcard spots. And again, Edmonton just a point back of uh, L.A. for third. Seattle's there as well, 
Seattle's played 46 games, so they've got a couple extra games to make up. The bottom line is it's pretty tight, um, but the Nashville Predators, if they don't put together a bit of few str- a string of wins, you know, could be in a very, very precarious situation coming out of the uh, out of the All Star break. So, Remo, I really do ex- uh, expect a desperate Nashville team hosting the Winnipeg Jets, knowing what's at stake for the home squad tonight. Yeah, I think so. They it's crunch time for them. Has the Jets and Predators when they've had games, um, they're always uh, heated rivalries. They did play once earlier this year, and. Uh, you know, I'm expecting, we'll see what we expect from the Jets. We don't really know as much about what their lineup is going to be. Jeff, seemingly, uh, no one was tweeting about the skate. Jeff just tweeted a, m- a minute ago, Hamilton, who's there, we had on yesterday, saying, he, you know, Rick Bonus says there's a couple game time decisions, but as of now, we'll go with the same lineup. I don't know if anyone's sick or not, but we do know uh, everyone was asking yesterday about Axel Janssen Fialbi blocked the shot. Uh, he was pretty shaken up. So we'll have to, I guess we'll be waiting to see before game time what exactly uh, exactly they mean. Yeah, uh, we're going to stay on that. We'll talk about it a little bit more with Mike. And as I said, we'll get to uh, the latest with Robbie Stanley on the uh, home team coming up in just a few minutes. Uh, I see BA in chat, and this is something we were going to bring up. Um, talking about this Nick Kiprios report from last, what was it, last Friday on Tim and Friends? Nice for them to mix in a little hockey talk and be mentioning the Jets, albeit not really the topic everyone wants to talk about. Uh, but Remo, listen, you know the world of the insider business. Uh, you know some some are more prone to hot takes. Um, listen, Nick Kiprios has been as well connected as just about anybody in the business, so I certainly will give him that. Um, back doing uh, Kiprios and Bourne with uh, with Justin Bourne, um, he was pretty adamant that. We shouldn't be getting our hopes up for Pierre-Luc Dubois to stick around long-term in Winnipeg. I mean, take that for what it's worth. Uh, Some people will think that that's it, that's done. I tend to uh, reserve judgment for actually what happens. Although he did say not even winning the Stanley Cup could win win over Pierre-Luc Dubois to wanting to stay here. So take that for what it's worth not great news for Winnipeg Jet fans but as long as people were mentioning it we should say that uh, I still hold out hope that I mean a strong season a great team a great atmosphere around the squad one that he is very much a big part of and seemingly a well-liked teammate um that I think the options are still open but there certainly are people in the hockey world that are closing the door on an extension for Dubois yeah and this is gonna be a topic we're talking about a lot it came up last week with him in Montreal and even yesterday it came up again um, with the second anniversary of the trade, and I tweeted from Winnipeg Sports Talk account on tw- uh, on Twitter. That's where you tweet. Um, <laughs> what do you think of it uh, two years later? And I think a lot of people are torn, and I think some people say, look, it really depends if Dubois signs long-term. And now here I'm thinking, Huss, if the Jets, let's say they go far in the playoffs this year, uh, I don't know, like maybe all the way, and then maybe keep him in next year, and then you lose him for nothing. I mean, if you have these really deep, Extended playoff runs, you get that of him. I mean, maybe it doesn't matter if you don't get assets for him. I'm kind of, you know, where I fall on this. Like, you need, oh, you need to trade him to get something in return if he's not going to sign. Well, I don't know. The team's really good, and they have a shot at winning the cup. How do you trade him away? Um, and I think this is something we're going to be talking about a lot. And as far as Dubois, um, I tweeted out the Kiprios thing from my own account just because I somehow missed this. Maybe we had our head in the sand, Huss about what was going on and people saying that Dubois wasn't going to sign long-term. And 
I think it was Tracy tweeted at me, well, doesn't he want to win? Why would he want to go to Montreal? And I was like, look, you know, when you're a hockey player, you don't get to pick where you live and where you work. You know, every person in any other normal job, you get to have that decision. Maybe he just really wants to play in a certain place and he's going to do what he can. And he's played his, you know, eight years or, um, you know, before 27 of team control. And then he wants to, wants to choose and he doesn't really, you know, he feels like, hey, he's a top player. He'll, you know, if he's on the team, they have a chance at winning. Uh, I'm just trying to say what his perspective may be, but I'm sure in the NHL, you know, some guys are like, hey, you know, I'm drafted. I'll happy to play and I'm, you know, give my heart to that organization. And some guys are like, you know what, I want to eventually choose where I live and where I play. So, you know, I am i can't really fault a guy for if he has his heart set on a certain place and it may not be here. Although yeah. it, seems, it seems like they're going to make it really hard for him to want to leave if they keep winning and you hey, offer listen. him. You know, for Jonathan Huberto, he got offered some ridiculous amount of money that you'd be stupid to turn down. So, you know, yeah, maybe that happens exactly. too. Exactly. I mean, listen, I, I I, am not in the camp that things are done. I mean, I see in the comments on this, um, yep. running man wasn't Kiprios the one saying Connor was going to be gone way back. Uh, Paul Confetti, Kiprios is invariably wrong. Rob Mahoney, why get mad at Kipper for saying the truth? I'm not sure. I'm not sure how you know that that's the truth, Rob. But, um, I mean, listen, at the end of the day, people are going to have their takes. Nick Kiprios does not have a 100% success rate with this stuff. Let me just say that. So I wouldn't put too much into it. But, listen, there's a lot of people that do believe that. Um, And we'll see how it goes. I am certainly in the camp that if Dubois does end up leaving, man, it would be a real, real blow to the organization to have him walk for nothing. Um, and that's why I sort of think that they need to get some clarity on this this summer. Um, and again, hopefully it'll be a great playoff run and he'll be a huge part of it. And he and Kyle Connor will continue being an incredible one-two punch on that line. Um, you know, and maybe he'll want to stay. Um, the other thing is the Habs are disaster right now i mean they're tanking they're trying to you know finish last in the league they've got a couple good young players but that team isn't doing anything very soon and listen some guys won't care about winning i mean hell johnny gaudreau went to columbus um so (laughs) i mean everything is possible right now um i guess just from my perspective i think it's somewhat foolish to assume that everything is a done deal well well in advance everything needs to be determined that being said, Reem, for what the Winnipeg Jets gave up to get Pierre-Luc Dubois, their second overall pick, Patrick Laine, was thought to be a player that, you know, when you, you don't get those opportunities very often. To have nothing to show for that after next season, I think would be tough, unless you get to the top of the mountain. And a couple of people said, hey, you win the cup, the entire team can go to the Panthers if they want. I mean, <laughs> Uh, that's the end goal. Um, and I think right now for this team, for the player, and certainly for the organization, they're solely focused on making the most out of this opportunity this season. And uh, then it's going to be some real tough decisions and negotiations, I'm sure, for Kevin Dayoff with more than just Pierre-Luc Dubois. Yeah, I'm reading the... Well, yeah, well, that's the thing. We talk about this window. Uh, someone tweeted us, you know, one player doesn't mean you have to go all in. Well, it's not just one player. It's Wheeler, Shifley, Hellebuck, uh, and you got who? Dylan DeMello as well. Expiring contracts in the next two years, so they do have big decisions to make. And I'm it's just everyone's uh, weighing in in the chat. Has Cole Sawchuk says, "Hey, if you get a cup, you know, this year or next year with PLD, and then you lost him, it wouldn't matter. Getting a cup with him is better than not getting a cup, and then trying to get assets or 
You know, as Blue Jay said, years of team control. Uh, and uh, Jeff shoots says, hey, we've got a two-year window here. Sometimes stars walk for nothing. Uh, it would be fine. So um, everyone uh, weighing in and appreciate all the comments, tweets, uh, you know, YouTube chat messages. So um, it's funny that you mentioned uh, Johnny Gaudreau, too, because we did watch his his return uh last night well but. yeah and let's get to that right away but you know i gotta give a shout out to brady from game over winnipeg check that out folks after uh, after games over on the uh, steve dangle podcast network he said merrick floating line a to the islanders potentially and i have to admit reem i'm sure you watched that game last night i mean it was all about johnny gaudreau and the return to calgary and the fans were Maybe not as pleasant to Johnny Hockey as they were to Matthew Kachuk earlier. He was getting booed every time he touched the puck. He got booed on his penalty shot. Many of the fans booed the tribute video that they gave Johnny last <laughs> night. Um, but man, to see Gaudreau go there on his own for way less money for a team that is destined to finish near the bottom of the standings was a head scratcher. But, man, it's tough to see our guy Line um, playing on that team right now. Um, you know, for a guy that brought so much excitement and did so much here, and I still think back to his final game as a Winnipeg Jet, the last thing that he did as a Jet was dominate that opening game of the season against the Calgary Flames and score the OT winner. It's sad to see where he's at right now. And, uh, listen, if Merrick is right from Brady's tip that, you know, the Islanders are – Somebody else is looking for him. I, I really do think that if Line A gets into the right situation on a team that can contend, he's a guy that can be a huge, huge difference maker. But uh, Dubois has been that difference maker for the Winnipeg Jets, and that's why. And the other thing about Dubois is that, you know, with his makeup, the size that he has, the power, he's so different than just about everybody else in the league right now. Replacing him and what he's bringing to the team right now is um, – going to be a very very tall task for management if in fact Dubois does leave at some point yeah, as far as last night the Islanders were playing the Maple Leafs and they gave up uh was a five they lost five to William Nylander four point night uh Islanders has not going as well with for them without uh Barry Trotz I, I don't know if they want to look to you know see if he wants to come back or or what but think about them they're having trouble scoring us and Line uh would be a player that would be a fit for them uh in terms of you know you, know, you need some firepower in today's NHL, and I don't know if uh, the Islanders have that right now. And uh, I saw some people mentioning on Twitter, like, would Tarasenko be an ad? But the Islanders, they're sixth in the Metro, so they're they got a bit, you know, they're a couple points back. So I'm curious what happens with them after their coaching change. And yeah, I mean, Johnny Gaudreau, we you know joked about uh, or joke we talked about taking the scoring prop. Well, he had the penalty shot right away in that game. Yeah. Maybe it was too early. Has penalty shot, you know, still experiencing the initial booing, but it was a nice offensive night for him and Patrick Line uh, racking it up. It did end up going to overtime after they were down. I think the ref, the refs clearly put the whistles away there. I don't know if you saw, like Line was taken down in the corner, then Gaudreau got taken down, and all of a sudden it's two on one for the Flames, and Dylan Dubé hammered it home. But uh, interesting to see the reception he got. Um, and it's cra- it is crazy that you mentioned. I mean, they had such a strong team last year. Obviously, lost in the playoffs to Edmonton. Um, you had Calgary offering him more money, and he went and signed with a last place team. Like, how often does that happen? So, I mean, never. Good, and the, good for the fans there, for, you know, doing their their duty by booing him. I mean, that's what what makes sports 
uh, fun and he obviously gave a lot to the city for, you know, the time he was there. But I mean, you got to boo him for leaving, you know, contender for the last place team for let it is crazy. When you well, and, and the way that, way that it all went down. I mean, you know, we, of course, had Pat Steinberg on, uh, yeah. my pal that does the Flames broadcast from 960 afterwards, and he's very connected into the Flames uh, world. And the Flames, you know, even up to a few hours before Johnny told them on that Friday afternoon that he wasn't signing with them, um, they thought they had a deal. I mean, basically, everything that Johnny Gaudreau asked for they ended up coming back and saying yes, and then they still walked away. The irony in all of this is that that deal and what Gaudreau asked for and what they had decided they were willing to give to their all-star forward ended up just being put in front of John Jonathan Huberto after he was acquired for Matthew Kachuk, and he signed the deal, and he's there for another eight years. Now, it hasn't gone as well for Hubie to begin his time in Calgary, but in a lot of ways, Gaudreau and Gaudreau's agent did all the work for Huberto, and Huberto's the beneficiary of one of the richest contracts in the National Hockey League, way more and longer term than Johnny signed with the sad sack Blue Jackets. Yeah, and Calgary, I mean, they're they're on a bit of their two-game two win streak, second wild card, but they haven't really found, I said this yesterday, haven't really found you know a good mix with their lines. Jonathan Huberto producing, like, what, a second-line player? To be fair, he's playing with Kadri and Milan Lucic. I mean, he's a passer. And we've talked about, you know, Mark Shafley putting passes to guys uh, on the tape and not scoring. So I don't know if that's happening there with Huberto as well. Maybe Mike Kelly would have a better insight of why it's not working uh, right now. But I think it's, there's an adjustment period. And it's not like fantasy hockey where you can just, you know, ship out two guys, bring in two guys, and all right, you got a great mix. It's going to work right away. Um, Calgary's an example of it. It takes time to time to gel but i mean they're in a tough spot uh colorado three games in hand and three points back so and minnesota and minnesota oh minnesota's there yeah like like minnesota and cal and colorado both played what 45 games and are one and two points back of calgary respectively and the oilers too the oilers are two points up on calgary i mean neither of those those teams are really safe what is interesting though is that entire division has completely bunched up the Vegas Golden Knights have been um, not good lately. Um, they just lost to Arizona. They're taking on New Jersey, and maybe it'll be a good thing that they're getting away. They've got an awesome road record, 15-4, and four, um, but they haven't been like they're one game above 500 Whoa. at home right now. So Vegas is going to be a better I mean, Essentially, you've got Vegas at 60, the Kraken at 59 with two games in hand, the Kings at 58, and then Edmonton and Calgary at 57 and 55. And you know that Minnesota and Colorado will be knocking on the door when it comes to those wild card spots. Or in the case of Minnesota, I guess, they, technically they're the third spot right now in the uh, in the Central. Um, but listen, I expect both Colorado and Minnesota to both be playoff teams along with Dallas and Winnipeg, which would leave best case scenario four spots for Vegas, Seattle, LA, Edmonton, and Calgary um, and that doesn't even include the potential of a team like the Nashville Predators or St. Louis, who we see tonight, make a run in the second half of the season and get back into the mix. Yes, for St. Louis, they're getting uh, Tory Krug back tonight in terms of injuries. I'm curious what they're going to do at the deadline. Are they going to trade Ryan O'Reilly, uh, Tarasenko, who they left? For, you know, you could have got him for free in the expansion draft. Are they, you know, because when they got Paul Stasny, they were like right on the cusp 
of the playoffs yep. that year. And it was like shocking that they were, I think they sold Shattenkirk uh, that year too, or was that the, I forget. I'm, I might be getting mixed up. Anyways, they've, you know, when they're close, they've decided to sell rather than, you know, go for it and hold course. So, you know, maybe St. Louis does decide Nashville's interesting. They had this year, you know, we'll get insight from Rob Stanley coming up, but they had this year last year, like Roman Yossi had a career year, Duchesne, um, you know, so many guys you know, having, you know, Forsberg having these career years, and it, they're just not at the level they were last year. Now they are getting great goaltending by UC Soros, who's named to the all-star team, but they're also a team right, you know, right on the cusp. Now they have two games in hand as well on Edmonton and Calgary. So I mean, if they win the two games, you're right back in it. And so I would, I would include Nashville. I think ahead of, ahead of St. Louis. We'll talk about uh, the Preds coming up with Robbie Stanley and uh, get his thoughts on the Central Division as well in just a couple minutes. Stepping away from hockey for a minute before our guest comes in, Remo. Big news in the Canadian Football League today. BLM. Bo Levi Mitchell, a three-year deal with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. He'll be paid just under Zach Caleros' money for the Tie Cats, and I know that is of particular concern to many fans one province to the west of us. I know a lot of Rider Nation was hoping that Bo Levi Mitchell would actually go from being the villain in Saskatchewan to being the savior. Um, but Hamilton, to their credit, and Dave Naylor was on this throughout the entire process they traded to get his rights before free agency, and they got the deal done. And, um, man, a real change of the guard in Hamilton after uh, the last few years of both Masoli and Dane Evans. Yeah, and I wonder if they're maybe regretting not sticking with uh, Masoli because I think he might be the best quarterback of all of them. But Levi Mitchell, I mean, the last couple of years, he just hasn't been the guy that was taking them to Grey Cups. He's, you know, what, 2021, he more interceptions than touchdowns last year you know he got he lost the job uh to at jake mayer for a bit you know his what yards yards per completion is going down you know maybe he'll be rejuvenated in hamilton and yeah credit to dave naylor who was on said hey when a team trades for a guy's rights they they get it done and look they seem to have their guy dane evans you know showed flashes he definitely showed flashes against the bombers uh in that game last year and they lost but for the most part, I thought he was pretty inconsistent. You know, he does bring experience and, you know, got a nice contract, so good for him. But I'm not sure, Hess, if he, he can Calgary, be got. Calgary's got a pretty good track record of moving on from guys at the right time. Yeah. And Dave Dickinson said that that was a coaching decision when they made the move to Jake Mayer. Bo obviously feels that he can still play. Uh, and there will be... Uh, I'm sure there'll be a big chip on his shoulder, but I'm sure he'll enjoy being in the East a little bit more than maybe having to do it all in the Western Division, which has been clearly um, the superior division over the last few years in the CFL. Anyways, we're going to get to the pucks in just a second. Robbie Stanley going to join us from Music City to tee up tonight's finale of the Jets' five-game road trip, two and two so far. Uh, before we do that, got to remind you, and I hate to break this to you folks because the weather actually has been beautiful the last couple months, but... Uh, you might want to stay away from your weather app or the forecast for the next little bit because it is going to get cold on the weekend right through to next week. And that is a reminder to get your batteries in advance because, as I said, there's nothing worse than being stuck or being that guy calling everyone for a ride or a boost or a lift at minus 30. 
uh, and that could very well be where we get to as temperatures plummet. What you need to do is get on down to Manitoba Battery. If you're not sure how your battery is doing, pop by 1026 Logan Avenue. They'll give you a quick free test and let you know how it's looking. But if you do know you need one, you can even save the trip down to Manitoba Battery and they'll save you time and save money with the best price in town and deliver it to you citywide. That's right. All you need to do is call Donnie and his great staff at Manitoba Battery by 3 p.m. and you'll they will deliver it same day anywhere in the city of Winnipeg. You can also order online at manitobabattery.com. Big thanks to Manitoba Battery for their support of WST. Uh, Getting ready for the summer. I know the gang of Consolidated Supply is ready to go. Uh, Golf planning for the course is already going. Of course, they are the club car dealer in Manitoba. If you need any sort of a golf cart type vehicle, they've got your hookup. Also, um, irrigation systems, artificial turf. And uh, if you're really thinking about tricking out that backyard, talk to them about hot tubs or those beautiful outdoor kitchens as well. Pop down and see them, 1395 Niaqua Road East or online at cte.ca. Got some great submissions for the Unsung Hero program we're doing with Josh Morrissey and Wallace and Wallace this, this month. Uh, But if you haven't already, there's still time to let us know about that person in the community that's making a difference, whether it be through volunteering with minor sports at school programs, charity work, or just being that good Samaritan, helping those in your community that need and doing it quietly and selflessly. Send us an email, unsunghero at winnipegsportstalk.com and let us know about that person. Winner each month, the Unsung Hero is going to get an autographed jersey from Jets All-Star defenseman Josh Morrissey. Wallace and Wallace is going to make a $500 donation in the nominees, the nominator's name to the Dream Factory. And uh, Josh and Margot Morrissey are going to match it as well. Unsung Hero at WinnipegSportsTalk.com. Um, and hey, just before we get ready to talk Preds Jets with uh, Robbie Stanley... Don't forget, Boston Pizza is the place to go. Great game day deals, fun game day contests with pick a player at most Boston Pizza locations. And the ice cold schooners, delicious BP wings, pizzas, and more. Pop by your local BP tonight with the gang if you're looking for somewhere to watch the game. And if you're staying home, you can always order online at bostonpizza.com. All right, big one tonight, Central Division matchup. Let's welcome in Robbie Stanley, who's the host of Robbie and Rex Road on 1025 The Game in Nashville, and of course, a contributor to NHL.com. Robbie, what's up, man? It's great to have you back on the program. Fellas, what's going on? How are we doing? Thanks for having me today. Well, how are we doing? We're doing well. This has been a hell of a season for the Winnipeg Jets. Um, Listen, I think there was a lot of people sort of on the fence about what this team was capable of. Huge questions after such a disappointing season last year. But it has been a pretty big turnaround. I mean, let me ask you from elsewhere in the division and outside of the market. I mean, what are your thoughts of the Jets so far? What have you been hearing about this resurgent Winnipeg team after a very miserable season last year? Well, it's fun to watch. And and I got to tell you that it's led to a lot of direct conversations here in Nashville just about what a coaching change can do. Predators fans are a little restless nowadays with with the way things have gone so far and you know, with bonus coming in from Dallas to Winnipeg, I get people in my mentions every day. We get people calling in our show. Well, do you see what Rick Bonus is doing up in Winnipeg? What could that mean if you make a coaching change here in Nashville, too? It's been impressive to watch. Obviously, Kyle Connor is an absolute stud. I mean, every time the Predators and the Jets play, I think back to 2018 in that series and what 
I thought was going to be like a maybe a launching pad for a Preds Jets playoff rivalry for years to come. It hasn't really played out that way in the playoffs, but they're so fun to watch. And you've got Shifley playing well, Kyle Connor playing well, Dubois playing well. Like all of your top players are playing well. And that's why the Jets are where they are in the standings. And that's why the Predators are where they are in the standings because their top guys are not all playing well. The one guy that when I think of the Preds right now that seems like this is the top guy is the goaltender. And yeah. we know how important that is here in Winnipeg. I mean, when the Jets have been off, and God knows the last few seasons, Connor Hellebuck has been the backbone of a hockey club that probably won a few games on his shoulders. Kind of seems like that same thing has been happening this year with Soros. I mean, he has had some absurd performances, including, what was it, a 64-save night? Yeah. Um has it been that way all season long? And um, let's talk first a little bit about the guy that makes it all happen, the guy in the net. Well, he, he actually started slow. And, and Saros has is, is been a guy that if you look throughout the course of his career, October, November, he usually starts a little slower. And it was different because, you know, obviously when he started his career, he was the backup to Pecorine. So he just wasn't playing that, that much to begin the season. Since he's become the starter – you know, it's been a little bit of a slower start towards the front part of the regular season. And that was the case again this year. You know, he got hurt at the end of last year and his recovery in the offseason took him a little bit longer than I think he thought it was going to heading into the offseason. But really, ever since mid-November, he's been pretty darn good. And the last month, as you mentioned, he's been probably the best goalie in the league, if not on the very short list of the best goalie in the league. And you mentioned the 64 save performance against Carolina. Hurricanes had 67 shots on goal in that game. I've never seen anything like it, and I watched the Predators during their expansion days when they were going up against those loaded Red Wings teams. Kind of reminded me of that. Like It was unbelievable to watch what Soros was able to do in that game. And The, the, the concerning part, if you're a Predators fan, is Kevin Lankinen, the backup goaltender, has played really well. UC Soros has played really well, and you're still out of a playoff spot. So what does that mean for them as they move forward? No, that's a great point. And that game, that 64-save game, Got us talking about that ridiculous Ron Tugnut performance of, I believe, 73 saves, which is the NHL record. Yeah. We got to give a shout out to former Jet goalie Joe Daly, who was on that list. And I believe he was the guy that Saros tied with the 64 yeah. saves. So uh, shout out Joe. I'm sure the gang down at the card shop might be listening to this at some point. So, um, um, but outside of Saros, and listen, you got to start with great goaltending, and it does give you the chance to win every night and make a team very dangerous to, when you're in the playoffs. They got to get there first, Robbie. And, you know, last year sort of seemed like Roman Yossi put the team on his back more often than not. It's a little bit more diversified right now, the scoring. Um, but right now it does seem like this team has not been very consistent amongst the forward group. I mean, how would you, uh, how would you categorize what you've seen over the course of the first half plus of the season from uh, the guys that are getting paid the big money to produce in Nashville? Well, I think it's I think it's largely been a disappointment. I mean, Philip Forsberg has been fine. You know, he he was a guy that obviously got the big contract in the offseason, eight years, eight and a half million dollars per year. He scored over 40 goals last year at over 80 points. And right now his numbers project out to be he's about he's projected to get right at 70 points, I think 32 goals. So it's a good season. It'd be his, his second best season in the history of his career behind last year if he finishes that way. And he's been way better lately. But there was a part of the year at the beginning of the year where he just he wasn't impacting games the way that you're accustomed to seeing Philip Forsberg do it. Duchesne, I think, has dropped off from last year. 
and really the two that are that are eye opening, Granlin and Johansson. Saturday night, this past Saturday night, notwithstanding, because both of them played really well, but for the most part, they've been way too inconsistent so far this year. So it's interesting because last year you had Forsberg score over forty, you had Duchesne score forty three. You mentioned Roman Yossi; he put up ninety six points last year, which was the most in almost three decades in the history of the NHL. And you had a Vesna finalist in goal, and they still were the final team to get in the playoffs. They were the last seat in the Western Conference. So if you had a drop-off this year, what was that going to look like? Well, there has been a drop-off. Not a major drop-off in some cases. In other cases, it is. And here they are. They're having to win games 3-2. to two. And as you guys know, you can do it, but it's way harder to do it that way in today's NHL with scoring being what it is than it used to be. And they're just they're having a tough time generating any consistency whatsoever from a goal-scoring standpoint. And their power play is not anywhere near as good as it was a year ago. There's a lot that's kind of dropped off offensively for the Predators. On a team that didn't have a ton of margin for error anyway offensively, they've really kind of gone back towards the bottom of the league in that area this year. Robbie Stanley getting us ready for Jets-Preds tonight in Nashville, 7 o'clock puck drop. You mentioned Matt Duchesne, and uh, listen, he uh, came in with a lot of fanfare, got the long-term big-money deal, and was very underwhelming at the beginning of that deal. Now, last year, he had that massive season. I mean, yep. 43 goals. He had only had one 30-goal uh, season before in his NHL career. Was that an outlier? Or um, what have you seen so far from Deshane? And is it sort of more like the guy pre-last season that we're seeing right now and how much heat is on him after raising the bar the way he did last year? Well, that's the thing. I mean, the the, the first couple of years he were, he was here – were so underwhelming. It's what made last year just kind of freakish. It was out of nowhere. You know, they they brought him in to be the second line center. It was Ryan Johansson as the number one center. Matt Duchesne is number two. And they moved him to the wing. He doesn't play center anymore. And last year, he really excelled in that role. He scored 43 goals. He was lethal on the power play. And by the end of the year, I mean, he just was playing really confident hockey and the power play was humming along. And he was a big part of that. This year... I mean, his numbers are going to end up lining up where he's typically been throughout the course of his career, which is somewhere in the neighborhood of 60 points, somewhere probably in the neighborhood of 25, 26 goals, which again is a good season. And it's better certainly than it was the first couple of seasons he was here. But when you're paying him that much money and you saw him put up 43 a year ago, like I said, this Predators team just doesn't have that big of a margin for error. So he's not getting any younger. He's a guy that's been in the league a long time. And he still has significant term left on his deal. You're looking around if you're the Predators and you're thinking, all right, well, is it possible that we've seen the best version of Matt Duchesne last year and it's never going to approach that again? I think it is possible. And if that's the case, what do you do if you're the Predators as you move forward? Johansson's got term on his contract. Granlin's got term on his contract. Duchesne's got term on his contract. And those guys have been underwhelming so far this year. And Unfortunately for David Poyle, that's been the story far too often with some of these guys, and that's why the Predators have been right around the middle of the pack and haven't done basically anything in the playoffs the past few years. Who's more of a hot topic amongst Preds fans, um, Duchesne this year or Ryan Johansson? I think it's probably Johansson this year just because he's been kind of a hot topic for a while now because he had the big run in 2017. He was awesome in the 2017 playoffs. And then he got hurt in the Western Conference Final. Preds went to the Stanley Cup Final, lost to Pittsburgh. And the question around here is, all right, well, what could what could have happened 
if Johansson had stayed healthy? Would they have won the Stanley Cup? He gets the big deal that offseason, eight years, $64 million. And if you look at his numbers, they just, for the most part, don't line up with an $8 million player. Now, if you watch him play, there have been years here where he's been really good. I think back to 2018 and that series against Winnipeg, he was really good in that series. But overall, the numbers just aren't there for Ryan Johansson. And a lot of the conversation around here in Nashville is like, would anybody take the remaining two years after this one on that contract? I would find that hard to believe with the cap being what it is with the $8 million cap hit. I think the Predators are stuck with him. But certainly that's a big topic of conversation down here with him and Duchesne. But I, I would say Johansson may be more leading the more leading the conversation there. It's funny. I mean, just having this, it sounds like a conversation that we had a couple years ago. I mean, yeah. really, before last season, in particular, the resurgence of Matt Duchesne, I think maybe changed the narrative a little bit around it. But this sort of is that Nashville team that was a little bit disappointing after that great season, those back-to-back seasons in 16, 17, 17, and 18. Of course, that playoff series against the, uh, against the Winnipeg Jets. So where does this leave David Poyle? Um, a lot of interest in around the league on what may or may not be happening at the NHL trade deadline. I, I would guess that he would look to make moves and potentially even maybe move some players, not for the present, but it's all going to depend on just how close this team is to the playoff line, I would assume, by the time we get there to the deadline. Yeah, I think it's a great point. And David Poyle, look, he's a big believer in just get to the playoffs and anything can happen. And he's he's talked about that before. Quite frankly, I think a lot of the Predators fan base is kind of tired of that. To their credit, they've always found a way to make the playoffs. They made the playoffs eight years in a row. Yep. They have been, when you look by the numbers, one of the most consistent playoff teams over the course of the past 15, 20 years. I mean, they're in the playoffs all the time. They've been past the second round one time, and that was in 2017 when they got to the Stanley Cup final. So I, I think if they're close enough, David Poyle is either going to let things ride the way they are and try to make the playoffs and hope his team plays better. He could look to make a small ad here or there. I don't think he's going to be a big buyer by any stretch of the imagination by the time the deadline rolls around. But a lot of the conversation in Nashville is, at what point do you reset, do you rebuild, do you try to maybe tear it down a little bit and try to go from there? Obviously, that can go one of two ways. That can be that can work out. That can be really successful for you. That can also lead you into a cycle of just being perpetually awful for a few years that's hard to get out of. But that is uh, a big portion of the Predators fan base is talking to, with us about that on a daily basis, and that's kind of the conversation around here right now. Well, and Robbie, the crazy thing uh, about that is that, I mean, it's kind of an unenviable position to be in where you don't really know if you got it in you to make a run, but you're not bad enough to be in the mix with the teams that are, frankly, trying to be terrible and get yeah. in on this great draft this year. I mean, you look at the Central Division, you know, Dallas and Winnipeg have had great starts, and they're sort of comfortably at the top. You've got Minnesota and Colorado, which I think everyone expects more from, who have some bunch of games in hand. And then you've got that group of St. Louis and Nashville, who were sort of in no man's land, and we know what Arizona and Chicago are yeah. bringing to the table this year. And I would imagine this is, in some ways, it's a crossroads for the Predators and for David Poyle, although... Maybe a little different for a guy that's held the job as long as he had with the sort of sort of the job security that he has, which is a great thing. I mean, you're making your decisions based on what you think is best for the franchise. You're not trying to save your job or anything like that. 
But I will say this. I mean, if we're basically talking about a team in the same spot they're in right now, a few points out, a couple teams they got to pass, it might be difficult for Poyle to turn down options to maybe add some more future capital and maybe get one of those deals off the books if he has the opportunity to do it. Well, I think it would be really smart to entertain that because, I mean, the, the, the Predators have basically been in the same spot for the past three, four years, which is right on the bubble of getting in the playoffs. And once the first round comes around, having a tough time getting out of there. They gave Carolina a really good series a couple of years ago that went six games. They got swept by Colorado last year. Now, Colorado, albeit was an absolute machine last year, but the thing is you've got your goaltender in the prime of his career. You've got Roman Yossi, who has been a franchise player, putting up historic numbers and has been one of the best players in the history of the team. And you look down the middle, and it's Johansson. Duchesne's been moved to the wing. And you look at the pipeline, and there's not a ton there. And that's that's where Predators fans are right now is how do you get out of the middle? They're, they're just good enough to be in the middle. And I don't think anybody around here really feels like they're good enough to be a serious contender if they make the playoffs. They found a way in the past couple of years to get in there. A couple of years ago, it looked rough. It looked about like it does right now, maybe even worse. And in the second half of the season, they surged and they got their way in there. Maybe they can do it again, but how much damage can they do if they get to the playoffs? I think there's serious doubt around here that they can do a ton. And that, if you look on paper with some of the contracts they have, they could be in this position for the next few years just based on the money that they've already committed. So it's a really tough spot for David Poyle to be in. Robbie, i got to ask you about Winnipeg native Cody Glass, who uh, seemingly has established himself for the first time as an everyday NHLer right now. Um, How's he fitting in right now, and um, where's his game at? It's been a really cool story to watch with Cody Glass because he, he, he made the team out of camp last year. He played two games, and then they sent him down to Milwaukee, and he was basically in the AHL the entire year. They brought him back up for the end of the regular season and into the playoffs, and that was it. And you wondered, okay, what kind of a role will Cody Glass play for the Predators? Would it be on the bottom six? And he made the team out of camp. There was this really cool emotional video that went around uh, uh, that the NHL was there for when he made the team. It was really fun to watch. They tried him in the top six really early in the season. I want to say around the second or third week of the year, and he just he wasn't ready. He didn't play well, found himself back out of the lineup as a healthy scratch. And really ever since then, about mid-November uh, in, into late November, he got back in the lineup. He's been handed a top six role now, and he's really played well. And, and the confidence, as you guys know, it's a funny thing in sports. Once you have it, it makes all the difference in the world, and he's making some good plays. I mean, look, the point total is not going to blow anybody away with Cody Glass, but I think he's played really well. He's playing right now with Philip Forsberg and Matt Duchesne and those are two guys that he enjoys playing with, and that's been really fun to watch. So I think the future is bright for Cody Glass, and I know this, the Predators are very excited about the progress that he's made. Well, and the thing is, I mean, this is such an important year for him to establish himself and feel comfortable because, as we know, there's a lot of pressure that comes along with being the first-ever player drafted by a team and then you know, to be traded twice. Yeah. Um, in that summer and end up, I mean, you only get so many chances. And I would imagine that pressure with where he was at with his career as opposed to where people expect sixth overall picks to be probably weighed on him. And, you know, to, to know, and I remember that video, it was so well done and it was a great story. Got a lot of run here in Winnipeg. Um, great for the young man to know that he is in, you know, he's on the team and he's going to be there night in and night out. And now, 
I mean, you couldn't have a much better opportunity in that lineup to play with guys like Forsberg and Duchesne if you want to really establish yourself. No question about it. And, you know, offensively is one thing. I think he's excelled there. But defensively, what's really kind of blown me away is in playing in a shutdown role. One of the first nights that they put him in the top six role, he was matched up against McDavid and Dreisaitl's line. And they did an unbelievable job of shutting those two down. I mean, I've seen McDavid and Dreisaitl walk into Bridgestone Arena and both of them walk out of there with six points before. I mean, it's unreal, the, the amount of success that they have against everybody. But they've really lit the Predators up in particular a few times. And Cody Glass did a great job kind of shutting those guys down. That line did a really good job shutting those guys down. And like you said, I, I think there's something to when you know that one mistake is not going to get you ripped out of the lineup, it frees you up a little bit. And I think that's what we're seeing now from Cody Glass, and it's allowing some of that natural skill to take over. You know, when you look at uh, the lineup that we're expecting tonight, I mean, it's the the usual guys and the guys that we've just talked about in the top six. Of course, we all remember Tanner Janot. Um, If you don't, all you need to do is watch about 30 seconds of a game and you'll <laughs> be well aware of number 84. But um, tell us about the, the bottom six. Is there a player or two that has sort of burst onto the scene that has been more of a bright spot this year for the Preds as opposed to what was maybe expected going into the year? Keep your eye on number 75, Yuso Parsonen, tonight. He was a, a kid that didn't make the team out of camp and was drafted in the seventh round by the Predators. And, you know, for, for one reason or another, he fell in the draft. He had some injuries that he was dealing with, and they were really excited about him out of training camp. He's a big kid. He can skate really well. And uh, he just tied last week Philip Forsberg uh, for a rookie points point streak record at seven games. He's been really good. And, and he's playing in a, in a bottom six role right now but just the the creativity with the puck his ability to use his size and speed to get to the net I think the Predators are really excited about what he could be uh, you talked about Cody Glass a, a lot of the conversation around the Predators right now really revolves around Cody Glass and Yuso Parsonen so Parsonen a guy to keep your eye on tonight if you're a Jets fan watching the Predators play he's been really impressive and the Predators very excited about him you bring up Janot, uh, he's a guy that Everybody knows the physical presence that he can bring to the table. He also scored 24 goals a year ago. He hadn't scored since October the 27th. He's got three goals on the year. Has not scored since late October. See him pressing a little bit out there. If he gets one, I think a lot of the feeling around here is maybe that opens the floodgates a little bit, but it's been kind of incredible. He's had some great looks and so has put some off the post, and it just hasn't gone in, but a long goal drought for Tanner Janot. Well, I'll tell you what, these teams often have really fun games against each other. I know that overtime win for the Jets, what, a month, month and a half ago here in Winnipeg was a real entertaining one. So hopefully we'll have another uh, fun one for the fans that made the trip and that are there in Nashville and uh, for those of us watching on the tube back in the peg. Robbie, always great to catch up. Thanks so much for doing this and enjoy the game tonight. Guys, really appreciate you having me and I hope you all enjoy the game too. <laughs> right on. There's Robbie Stanley. You can uh, find his work covering the Preds at NHL.com. He's the host of Robbie and Rex Road on 1025 The Game, or I guess it's 1025 The Game in Nashville. All right, Mike McIntyre coming up. We'll get back to uh, focusing on the Winnipeg Jets as opposed to the, to the Jets' opponent coming up in just a minute. I do got to thank our friends at Royal Sports for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Hey, Chiefs fans, Bengals fans, Niners fans, Eagles fans, you geared up for the championship for championship Sunday. If you're not, pop down to Royal Sports, best selection of NFL gear in town. While you're there, check out the thousands of pieces of Jets merchandise, bomber gear, and more. And um, don't forget, if you're uh, need skates, they are the spot for skates, including 
affordable casual skates really made for things like skating out on the river trail. A number of affordable options for you at Royal Sports that you might not have been aware exist. Pop down and see them, 750 Pembina Highway. Get ready to take advantage of Winnipeg winter and make sure to follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemba. They do a great job of featuring items in the store, the latest merchandise drops, and, of course, sale information. Speaking of sales, fellas, if you're looking to upgrade the wardrobe this year, you know where to go. F Apparel, 190 Smith Street downtown. The best custom suits in Winnipeg starting at just $400. Far more than just suits as well, though. Custom shirts, pants, all sorts of men's accessories. I mean, that really is a one-stop shop for everything you need when it comes to menswear. And fellas, if you're in a wedding party, don't waste your money renting taxes. Give Andrew and his gang a call. Pop down. Get fitted up with the fellas. You'll get a 15% off for the entire wedding party when you get your suits and outfits from F Apparel. And for those of you with the 2023 high school grad coming up or a high school grad in the family, Get the uh, young man decked out in a new suit from F Apparel, and you will get a free custom shirt and tie, $150 savings. Find out more, F Apparel, EPHapparel.com, or pop down and see him down at 190 Smith Street downtown. Um, and we got to give a great shout-out to our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market before we bring Mike on. If you're looking for great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries... Vita Health has you covered, and when you shop there, you're supporting a great local company, family-owned and operated since 1936, with Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products, too. Battling colds and sore throats has never been easier, with Colflex Oregano Spray made locally by Inatech Nutrition. Colflex Oregano Spray helps relieve coughs and sore throats and helps to maintain immune function. Get yours today at any Vita Health location, seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge, and online at their fully shoppable website at myvita.ca. We were actually going to send Mike some Colflex Oregano Spray when we spoke last time. I hope he's feeling a little bit better. And uh, Mike McIntyre, the Free Press, joins us now on the show. Mike, what's up? How are you? You know, it's a, it's amazing, Huss, what uh, what a week away from the rink and sleeping in my own bed and all that does for the cold. I'm feeling uh, I'm feeling close to 100 uh, percent was not feeling so great a week ago. That's for sure. Brought a uh, bit of bronchitis back with me from the last road trip and other uh, travel related woes as well. Uh, well documented ones, which we won't rehash. Um, but yeah, feeling, feeling great. Uh, and, uh, looking forward to the, the road trip conclusion tonight, the road trip that I'm not on. My colleague, Jeff Hamilton is, is in Smashville. Uh, he's been on this, uh, this long journey and, uh, the Jets have a chance to kind of finish it with a bang. Yeah. I mean, uh, listen, a great weekend, obviously in the standings going back to back in Ottawa and Philadelphia. And we were speaking last week on the eve of the Montreal game. And I think we all agree that. You know, that one's that this road trip started about it in as ugly a fashion as yeah. possible. Um, I, for one, liked most of the Jets game against Toronto. I mean, I knew they did have some self inflicted mistakes that, you know, guys like Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner are going to make you pay for, and they weren't able to score. Samsonov was brilliant, but um, got back to it, especially in Ottawa. And I think they were full marks considering how much they played 
Philadelphia coming back to tie the game, getting uh, getting those uh, important two points. I mean, the second end of back-to-backs is something the Jets have been very good this year. I believe five and two on the second end. Yeah. Um, and that's part of the reason why we see them where they are in the standings. But um, just thoughts on the road trip so far and the bounce back on the weekend with those two wins after a, not the start that the team certainly wanted out east. Yeah, and, and four much-needed points, Huss, because, you know, you look at the standings and the West is is pretty wild right now. Take the Minnesota Wild, speaking of the Wild, for example. They're sitting in third in the Central, heading into action tonight. Uh, if they were to lose and Colorado wins, Minnesota would go from third in the Central to not even in a playoff spot. Um, now, fortunately, the Jets and Dallas have built up a bit of a, a buffer, a bit of a cushion, if you will, in those top two spots. But, you know, there's a lot of parity in the West, and it goes back to something we've talked about, that there's there's maybe not one uh, dominant team. And, you know, a, a losing streak even of four games, for example, could really be a detriment. And so again, we go back to the jets, you know, they lose the first two on this trip. If this past weekend had not gone so well, um, and let's say they lose those two games and now they're staring at a four game slide. uh, They're also staring at not nearly the, the comfort uh, that they had in terms of a playoff spot. And, you know, here we are talking about the jets competing for number one in the West but I think you also have to keep in mind kind of what everyone else is doing. And and there's a lot of parity right now in the West. So uh, two, you know, two clutch performances. I realize Philly was also uh, playing on a back-to-back Sunday. So both teams were kind of kind of equal there. But you're right. The Jets have been very good on that second night. And that goes to big save Dave, who made a couple of big saves, especially one Huge one in the final minute there to preserve that that victory. You know, Huss, he's eight and four. And there was a lot of angst and a lot of hand-wringing around here, especially after his first game in Vegas and that first goal to Jack Eichel. And at the same time, Eric Comrie was, was you know, running roughshod through Alberta in his first couple starts. He's eight and four. He's won two-thirds of his starts. I think that's more than you could have expected from the understudy to Connor Hellebuck. And, you know, he's more than held up uh, his end of the bargain and then some. And it's a big part of why the Jets are where they are. And, you know, I go back to the way they beat Philly the other night. You know, the big stars shine early, but then the Jets take the foot off the gas. And who is it that rescues them? Carson Kuhlman, of all people. Um you know, and again, that goes to another storyline that's played out so often this year. Yes, the big names, the highest paid players, they're more than holding their own. But the Jets have also got some really valuable contributions from guys who weren't even on the radar when the season began. And Carson Kuhlman, you know, and Axel Janssen, he scores early in the game. Kevin Stanlin with a great play to, to seal it on an empty netter. Huss, if we go back to September... Nobody is even talking about Janssen, Fialbi, Kuhlman, and Stenlin. First of all, two of those three guys aren't even in the organization. And the third guy was seen as just a moose player. It really speaks to how the Jets have found so many different ways to win this year. Well, absolutely. And, um, you know, it is 
it has really turned into, I think, uh, at some really positive internal competition. Yes. To stay in the lineup. Obviously, some guys have been nicked up. David Gustafson's out of the lineup right now, and Mason Appleton has been out for a couple of months. Um, you know, there's the talk about potential ads at the deadline. We'll get to that in a minute or some potential trade targets. But even if the team just gets healthy and you bring back Gus and you bring back Mason Appleton, some tough decisions as far as just who's on the roster, never mind who's in the top 12. But I certainly think Kevin Stenland has done a great job in establishing him as a top 12 player for the Winnipeg Jets. And even if there are moves, I think he's going to be in there. And Axel, man, you know, he had found himself out of the lineup on a couple of occasions, but on this road trip in particular, I mean, an unbelievable pass to Mark Shifley against the Ottawa yeah. Senators and scoring and then a big block last night. And those blocks for fourth-line players, we heard Rick Bonus and the guys talk about it in the room afterwards, that goes a long, long way to uh, maintaining and assuring you're going to be in the lineup. Sure does. And, you know, Rick Bonus told Jeff Hamilton this morning in Nashville, there's a couple game time decisions tonight. I imagine Axel Janssen Fialbi is one of them because he's probably still stinging a little bit from that big shot block. It, it sounds like there's, you know, it sounds like the Jets will go with the same lineup tonight. So the good news is it sounds like he avoided what could have been a, a real bad injury there because of where he took that shot. But you're right. Um, you know, unsung heroes. Uh, depth guys, role guys stepping up. And it goes back to something, you know, I think we touched on this last week, Huss. guy like Sam Gagne now is having trouble getting in the lineup. And it's not because Sam Gagne has been bad. In fact, I think you could argue that Sam Gagne has, has exceeded whatever expectations there were. He's got eight goals, you know, 14 points. He's played up on the top line. He's played on the power play. He's killed some penalties. And there's no room for him right now because of what other guys are doing. And even guys like Jansen Harkins and Dominic Toninato, who are playing really well with the Moose and were part of this team, or at least in the mix when the season started, they're now out of sight, out of mind, Huss, because of what other guys have done. And you're bang on. I mean, the healthy competition, um, you know, the, the keeping guys on their toes, keeping guys at the top of their game. And, Look, we've seen Rick Bonus do things to to even with his big stars. Mark Shifley was put on the fourth line last week. I believe that was in the Montreal game to send a message. And again, Rick Bonus does it in a way that I don't think it rubs his players the wrong way. In fact, that's the accountability they want. And so when players are seeing that, geez, even the great Mark Shifley who is on pace maybe for 50 goals, you know, if he takes a few shifts off or struggles a bit, uh, nothing's guaranteed even with him. That's a great message. And I think it's why Rick Bonus has this team on all pulling in the same direction. Mike, never mind any potential ads or players coming in. Um, if Mason Appleton is activated, if Sam Gagne gets back in the lineup, I mean, when you look at the roster tonight, I mean, who are the, who's the first guy out? I mean, I think Menelainen's been really strong since he's come back. Axel Janssen Fjallby's part of one of the top penalty-killing units in the in the league, as is Saku. 
Stenland's established himself. Carson Kuhlman maybe would have been the guy that I thought before, but it's obvious the team really, really likes him, has thought highly of him for a long time. Um, and now we've seen him chip in as well, playing alongside Adam Lowry. I mean, wh- where do they go? I mean, hey, good decisions to have, I guess. Can, can they just dress five lines? Is that allowed, Huss? <laughs> can they have a fifth line? Uh, because Not going to cut it. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't imagine Rick Bonus is losing a ton of sleep over this because, as you say, it's one of those good problems to have. And sort of karma and all that being what it is and superstition, the day you kind of start planning on how you're going to solve the, quote, problem that's the day that you probably lose two players to injury, right? The way it it works sometimes. So, um, you know, you're going to need it. Look, if the Jets are going to go where they want to go this year, and that's not just, you know, scrapping to get in as a wild card team and then, you know, four and out and their season's over, they are, they've established themselves as one of the favorites in the West. And so that may mean a lengthy playoff run. One of the good things, Huss, is after the trade deadline, um, you can expand your rosters, right? And so, you know, if they could maybe kick some of these problems, if you will, if you want to call them problems down the road, you're going to see the the so-called black aces around this team. And they may start that earlier than usual this year because they've got so many NHL caliber players in the mix. And again, it goes back... A guy like David Gustafson, who was basically in permanent ink when the season began as the fourth line center, uh, even when he's healthy, I don't know that he gets back in this lineup right away. I'm not suggesting the Jets are going to put him on waivers. He'd have to, you know, there's a good chance another team would claim him. But again, it just speaks to the depth that they have. This team is a lot deeper than I think we thought they were. And depending what they do at the trade deadline, they could get even deeper. And uh, and it, it does create a very interesting dynamic for sure. Mike McIntyre, the Winnipeg Free Press, with us talking Jets. Um, let's get to – I want to talk about the next couple of weeks and the opportunity for the Jets heading into this All-Star break. But yeah. you know, we've been talking about players, potential additions. You had a real interesting piece in the uh, Free on something we've talked about on this show quite a bit potential trade targets and the name Jonathan Taves keeps coming up. Um, fill people in if they missed it on uh, why you think the Winnipeg Jets should be very much into Jonathan Taves and what he would bring to the Jets organization. Yeah. And, you know, let me first say, Huss, like we, we talk about the trade deadline. It's, it's March, right? It's March 3rd, which I think a lot of people say, well, that's still a long way away. I'm just counting here. The Jets, including tonight, have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 games left. That's it. 13 games between now and the trade deadline. Um, it's going to come a lot sooner than than we think, and a big part of that is because the Jets have an 11-day break built into the schedule here. After they get back you know, late tonight after this road trip, they have the three games coming up. Then they don't play for a week and a half. And so when they come back, uh, the trade deadline will be, you know, it, it will be just on the horizon. So there's not as much runway, if you will. And again, we talk about some of these personnel decisions. That means there's only 13 games, including tonight, before you could do things like expand the roster. 
As for Taze, you know, I think anybody who watches this team, Huss, recognizes that one of the areas the Jets have really struggled this year is in the faceoff circle. They're one of the worst teams in the dot. Now, I know there's a lot of debate out there about whether faceoffs really matter. And I've seen some on the analytics side saying they really don't. They're overhyped. Who cares? Um, I, I don't buy that. Rick Bonus cares. I know that he, for a fact. He sure does. And and it's a big reason why Kevin Stenland got into this lineup in the first place and why he's probably not coming out. Kevin Stenland, last I looked was a couple days ago, I think he was at 53.6%. He's the best face-off man the Jets have because their other regulars, Lowry, Gustafson, Shifley, Dubois, they're all sub-50. I think Lowry might now be back on the, just on the right side of 50. But the Jets lose a lot more face-offs than they win. And we see times... You know, let's go back to Toronto last last Tuesday, Huss. Um, sorry, last Thursday. The Jets played a hell of a first period, but it's 0-0, right? They come out, face off, second period, Leafs win it. Eight seconds later, it's one nothing. And I believe Toronto scored another goal off an offensive zone draw that they won later in the game. Uh, it does drive Rick Bonus nuts. And if you look at the face-off stats right now in the NHL, one name stands alone as the number one guy in the dot, and that is the Winnipegger, Jonathan Taze, the pending UFA, who also happens to have three Stanley Cups under his belt, has also put up, as, as the graphic here shows, he's having a pretty nice offensive season on a terrible hockey team. Granted, he's getting a lot of minutes on that team, minutes that he might not get if he were to, say, join a team like the Jets. I just think there aren't a whole lot of teams, Huss, that would have the salary cap space to squeeze a Jonathan Taze in without major roster surgery. The Jets are one of them because they haven't activated LTIR this year. They've accrued cap space. They can weaponize it. And if you're Jonathan Taze, who has a full no trade, no move, has the final say, if if the Blackhawks were to approach him with a, a, an offer, you have to think that, forget about the hometown angle, just the fact that the Jets are where they are in the West, that the West appears to be wide open, that they could use the services of a guy like Taze in many roles, face-offs, depth scoring, penalty kill, maybe some second power play time. Um Throw in the hometown element, and you got to think that Hayes would seriously consider it. And at, throw in the fact that I believe it was Elliot Friedman last week that suggested the asking price for Taze is either a second or third round draft pick. That is not a big price to pay. And again, he's a pending UFA. This would be a pure rental. You're not taking on a contract beyond this year. I just think he checks off a lot of boxes. And Rick Bonus could certainly find some use for a guy like Jonathan Taze. No, listen, I'm with you on that. And I think that, you know, as far as potential trade targets, the fact that you don't have to trade your top prospects in your first You're not round mortgaging pick the future, to get him exactly. in, 
He works. And, and, and the other thing is, and this goes to the way the Jets have handled their salary cap, and you make a very salient point, Mike, the fact that the Jets can handle this without ma- massive roster surgery. There's there's only, there's going to be a limited amount of teams that Taves will consider to go to in the first place. And then you're going to knock off a bunch of them that just can't even consider it because of their cap situation. Right. Like, this is not going to be a situation where you're talking about half the league being in on a player. I mean, it will be a small group. It could be whittled down to literally just a couple. And I think that plays into the Jets' hands. And here's the other thing. I mean, we talk a lot about the face-offs. The one thing I know that Jonathan Taves would be on the Winnipeg Jets is incredibly versatile. He can play center. He can play on the wing. He could help out. I mean, many of us think that he would just go in and be a center, and, you know, you'd run four uh, up to down with... Shifley, Dubois, Taves, and Lowry. And that's certainly an option for Rick Bonus, and would probably put the Jets in quite good stead. There's also the possibility, whether it's all the time or situationally, to have Taves playing up with either a Dubois or a Mark Shifley, having the ability to take some of the draws while on the ice. Um, And then, I mean, I don't know what value you can put on the intangibles of a guy that is done what Jonathan Taves has done in hockey. But I tell you what, come playoff time, having a guy with that sort of experience and that track record certainly would be a huge boost to a team that doesn't have a long history of extended playoff success. You know, I I go back to 2018, Huss, and at the trade deadline, you know, the Jets made the big splash that day when they acquired Paul Stasny. Jonathan Taves would sort of be the 2023 version but at a much lower cost, the Jets had to give up a first rounder, for example, to get Paul Stasny. And if you remember, when the Jets acquired Stasny, he was a center. But again, the versatility really paid off, as we saw. And, and at times, he played the wing. Look, we've also seen at times this year, us guys like Shifley and Dubois move over to the wing in, in different situations. And... Again, there's that all-for-one, one-for-all mentality, I think, with this group right now. Are you telling me that Mark Scheifele or John or uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois is going to balk at maybe having to take some shifts on the wing if you're bringing in a Jonathan Taze with his pedigree and, and what he could bring to your roster? I, I don't think so. So, again, we talk about good problems to have. They'd find a way. And, and don't forget, Huss. Things can change in a hurry. We talk about injuries. This is a Winnipeg Jets team that at various times this year has played Axel Janssen-Fialbi, Carson Kuhlman, uh, Christian Reichel, all in their top six. And I know now they're healthier, so we're kind of removed from that. You, as, as well as those guys kind of filled in, you don't want to run into a situation. If you're envisioning a long playoff run, and we know the Stanley Cup playoffs can be a war of attrition, right? Um, you don't want to run into a situation where, oh my goodness, we left ourselves. Now we got to go back to that because a key guy or two has gone down. That's where a tase could be extremely valuable because you know he can play up. He's been doing that his whole career. No, you're exactly right, Mike. Um, outside of Taves... Because I think he's a very unique add, and now adding that money on the cap might preclude you from doing some big other changes. But 
let's take Taves out of the equation for a minute. If the team did decide to take a big, big swing at one of the more expensive assets available on the market, do you think it's more likely that they try to add to their forward group of a guy that can play, you know, potentially top six minutes and fit in well with those guys and, you know, make them deeper up front? Or is it more likely that they try to get an established top four minute muncher to fortify the defense, despite how many defensemen are in the mix for playing on any given night? Yeah, I I, I think that if they're going to take a big swing, I think it's probably going to be up front. And I think it probably should be up front. That's not to say that they should just leave the D alone. I just wonder if something, you know, not one of the top tier but somebody like a, a Luke Shen, for example, you know, a, a Stanley Cup champion, two-time champion, in fact, with Tampa, um, you know, character guy, physical guy, kills penalties, block shots, all that. Um, pending UFA, you know, Canucks are going to be moving them. They're probably, I can't imagine they're expecting a massive haul from him, uh, for him. Um, to me, that's probably more more the kind of move the Jets look to do on the back end. And, you know, so so there's guys like Gavrikov, right? The the very skilled Columbus Blue Jackets defense. And where I see that, you know, the the Elliot Friedman reported that uh um they're asking for like the David Savard package, which is like two first rounders. The Jets are not giving that up. And and I don't think they should be giving that up for a defenseman at this point. You know, we were talking earlier in the year about possibly moving a blue liner to help up front. So I don't think you're going to add a big ticket right now on the back end. So, you know, does that mean um, Jacob Chikrin's out of the question? Probably, unless it's part of some, you know, bigger deal where depending on what's going the other way. I just think that the bigger flash is what you want to do up front. And so some of the names out there, of course, Bo Horvat. I mean, sure, Bo Horvat would look great in a Jets jersey. No question about it. Uh, almost, or Timo Meyer would look great in, in a Jets jersey. Um, you know, and, and there's his is an interesting. My uh, Scott Billick wrote about this last week in The Sun. Um, you know, he's a RFA, but there's a huge qualifying offer. And so there's lots of parts there that, to consider um but yeah i think if you're the jets i'm looking to do something a little splashier up front rather than on the back end the one thing i'll say on this is that I, and chickering's a really interesting um interesting player because he's young and he's got two years of term at right. 4.6 million and i think that if the jets are going to make a move where they're trading a top prospect and they're trading a first round pick first of all they're going to need to be damn sure that they are really in it this year and i think at this point, they certainly believe that they are. Yeah. Um, but, Mike, the I, I'm sure it's the preference of the organization to have a player that has some term on their deal, uh, at least into next season, considering the window of so many of these guys that we've talked about that are in the roster right now for the Winnipeg Jets. And the thing with Chikrin, if they were able to make a trade where they're giving up the assets that they need to do to get Chikrin but including a player like Neil Pionk in, 
the money in and money out probably works relatively yeah. close. And Arizona's still got to stay above the uh, above the cap floor, of course. I mean, they can't just get rid of all their players and have guys on league minimum deals, no matter how much they have on LTIR right now. Right. Um, and I do think that a player like that, if the Jets believe that he would be a big, big upgrade, the fact that they would have him for the next couple years might make the juice work the squeeze on a trade of that nature. For sure. And so that's where someone like a Pionk or even maybe a Nate Schmidt, you know, would would you include a guy like that? Because you've got to clear some cap space and, you know, they wouldn't be the centerpiece of the return. They would almost be a necessary add on top of, you know, like you said, the first rounder and the top prospect uh, that you're probably signing. Um, and so here's where I just wonder is Kevin Sheveldayoff, who normally plays it pretty safe, pretty conservative, does he does he want to delete anything off this current roster? Or does he almost see that as, like, if he feels like they've got such a good thing going with this group, and sure, he'd like to add to it, but he'd like to add to it without deleting from it. And, and I don't know the answer to that, um, if that's part of the mindset. And... So that's where that becomes a little trickier that if you're going to take a big swing at a defenseman, I don't see how you, you do that without deleting something, uh, you know, a core piece, one of those veteran established guys. And I just don't know if Kevin Sheveldayoff, you could debate whether he should do that. I think that's a different argument than whether he would do that. And I don't know. I, I just go back to the chat he had. Well, with could us. you could you add a player without doing that? I mean, we've talked about Taves, and I mean a ta a Taves sort of deal. You're basically using up the majority of your cap right. space. If you want to do something on the blue line or add one of those other guys, and you're trading out picks and prospects, that doesn't solve what would end up being a cap crunch on the Winnipeg Jets. And that's why, listen, Neil Pionk is a guy that can certainly play. Do I think that they would prefer to have a guy that is maybe a little more trustworthy in his own end playing big top four minutes come playoff time? Yeah, I do. And the reason why I bring his name up is that, you know, you could get an upgrade at that position and have a young player that would have at least two year, more years with your organization. Right. It would make it more worthwhile. And listen, with what the Jets have done up front and the players that they have right now and the guys that we've been talking about competing for spots in the lineup, I think you really can make the argument that outside of Josh Morrissey, another guy that you could count on to eat up big minutes in the playoffs might be the best course of action for the Winnipeg Jets. But it would, it would in all likelihood, include giving up a pick, a prospect, some valuable assets, but also one of the guys that's in the lineup right now to make room for a Chikrin type defenseman. For sure. And, and just so folks know, Jacob Chikrin actually makes less than Neil Pionk. Yeah. He's four, Smith. six four six. And he signed through the 2024, 25 season, which again, if you're the jets um, is important uh, because again, you've got some major contract issues coming up in short order here with Shifley with Dubois with Hellebuck and to a lesser extent Wheeler, who I think we can all agree. I mean, when his contract expires, he's gone, but you know, there's you know three... I, I, I'm not sure that he's gone, oh. but he's, he's not, he's not on the books at eight and a quarter. 
No, that's true. And I guess if he, uh, you're right. I mean, I mean, he's playing well right now. I mean, again, we've got another year to say, but I mean, if this is still the Blake Wheeler that's around and he's coming yeah. at a much lesser cost and going for a thousand points at a bunch of things, I would absolutely not rule out Blake Wheeler having another year. It's just not going to cost the Winnipeg Jets the same amount as right now. No, it's a, it's the Paul Stasny Carolina contract, right? Like a one year, you know, under two mil kind of deal. Um, but in terms of core younger players, for sure, they've got issues. So I think the Jets would would certainly be open to adding guys who aren't just pure rentals. Uh, and so Chikrin would check out that box. Again, a guy like Timo Meyer, you know, if they sign him, if it was if there if a contract extension, almost like a sign and trade was part of the deal, there's a guy uh, you know who could be that insurance, that buffer, if you will on what may happen with one or both of Shifley and Dubois. Um, but is that something Kevin Sheveldayoff is looking at now? Is he kicking that down the road to the summertime? It's an interesting question. And I, again, I just go back to that sit down he had with us a couple of weeks ago in Buffalo, where he did seem very open Huss, to taking a big swing. He talked about kind of living in the moment, taking advantage of opportunity and I would suggest the opportunity is staring the Winnipeg Jets in the face right now in a major, major way, partly because of their play, partly because of the state of the division and the conference. And we know some of the other contenders are probably going to be taking some, some big cuts at the plate. I think the Jets also have to step up, you know, bat in hand and try and swing for the fences. Well, and speaking of opportunity, I mean, there's an opportunity for the general manager um, to improve his team and give them a, a better shot of making a long run come Stanley Cup playoff time. For the team in the short term, there's a big opportunity for them to feast on some teams below the playoff line and really put them in a great situation going into the uh, into the dead into the uh, All Star break. Um, you know, you beat those teams as you needed to do in Ottawa and Philly. You know, a Nashville team that is still, I mean, not a terrible team by any stretch of the imagination, but they're on the outside of the playoff line looking in. An upstart Buffalo team, though, that's still looking up. The Philadelphia Flyers back in town for Saturday night, and then the St. Louis Blues are in a very similar situation to the Nashville Predators. I mean, if the Jets can continue doing what they've done all year, and that has been, for the most part, beating the teams below them in the standings, yeah. Mike, um, I would say that this next week and a half could go a long way to absolutely removing all doubt that the Winnipeg Jets are going to be a team in a very nice spot heading into the playoffs. And that will be pushing the chips over to the general manager to see what the next step is. Well, and again, nobody wins the Stanley Cup on January 24th. Uh, but Huss, the Jets have a chance tonight. Uh, Dallas lost in, in overtime last night. Uh, so the Jets have a game in hand, which will be tonight, and they're one point behind the Stars, not just for the division lead, but for the conference lead. So the Jets can pull off a win in Nashville tonight. Uh, they accomplish a couple a couple things. They jump back into first, now not even a tie. They'd be alone in first. They'd be alone in first in the conference. And they'd also pretty much bury the Predators in terms of of completely leaving them in the dust. Nashville could certainly catch other teams. The Jets head into tonight 13 points ahead of the Predators. If they if they extend that to 15 as opposed to 11, then I think 
Nashville's not even considering ever catching Winnipeg. And so you that's one less kind of other team you have to worry about. Same with St. Louis next next Monday. St. Louis is 14 points behind Winnipeg right now. So, I mean, they're, they're four-point games. They're divisional games. Um, they maybe don't carry the same importance that they have because of where the Jets are and where these teams are. But you could really just leave them in your dust. And I think more than anything, the Jets want to use these last four games. You know, they're going to have that lengthy break. They want to go into that break feeling good about themselves, about the state of their game. Um, you know, fatigue is probably an issue, long road trip. Uh, but the finish line, or at least the temporary finish line, is kind of in sight here. Uh, they know that after next Monday night, they all can go to warm locales for a few days and and not think about hockey. Um, and I don't expect Rick Bonus is going to let this group take the the foot off the gas, if you will, anytime soon. Are you going to the uh, All-Star game? I am not, Huss. Uh, we had debated it. Um um, you know, maybe if Rick Bonus had been the coach, and of course that was really close to happening. Oh, don't get um, me. Don't even remind yeah. <laughs> me of that game in Detroit. Um, you know, honestly though, I think the Jets might have done their coach a favor. I'm not saying they lost on purpose. Uh, they didn't, of course. But the silver lining is I don't imagine like look, it would have been a nice story. Rick Bonus has done pretty much everything in his career. He's never been in an all-star game. I think Rick Bonus will appreciate the added downtime. This is a guy we know he missed the start of the year with COVID. I know being around him, there's been various times this year that that's still kind of reared its head and he hasn't yeah. felt a hundred percent. I think he'll appreciate some extra R and R here. And uh, you know, it would have been a nice experience, nice story, but I'm sure he doesn't mind. the. Well, you'll enjoy that time off as well. Enjoy the game tonight, Mike. Thanks so much for doing this. You bet, Huss. Take care. Great stuff. There's Mike McIntyre. You can check out that piece on a potential Taves acquisition at winnipegfreepress.com. All right, Mike Kelly coming up just before that. Got to give a big thanks to our friends at Princess Auto. Proud sponsors of WST, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, the Gold Eyes, and some of Manitoba's top curling teams. And, of course, Princess Auto is the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new, is at Princess Auto. Two Winnipeg locations, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West, and you can always shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. If you're thinking water and water services in Winnipeg and Manitoba, you know where to go. Culligan Water, family-owned for over 65 years in the business, helping Winnipeggers with all their water needs, including water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems, and drinking water systems, not to mention citywide water delivery services and commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Whatever you need, Culligan's got you covered. Pop down and see him at 1200 Sargent Avenue, 204-694-5180, and online at Drink culligan.com and uh just got to give a quick shout out to our friends at canadian club as well of course the official spirit of the winnipeg blue bombers and wst still a few days left in january to pop by your local manitoba liquor marts and get great savings on the biggest discount of the year on the canadian club reserve 12 year as well as a new product from the Beam Suntory Gang, Rifle Rye, both on big sales for the month of January. Pop down and pick them up at your local Manitoba Liquor Mart. Sub, 
Oh, we're bringing them out today. Great crowd in here, over 400. If you haven't already, make sure to hit that red subscribe button. And if you've just found us, you can also find Winnipeg Sports Talk on your favorite podcast feed. Just search Winnipeg Sports Talk and make sure to uh, hit the subscribe button. Let's welcome in Mike Kelly from the NHL Network for his first visit of 2023. Mike, what's good, man? Great to have you back on the show. Yeah, what's happening? Thank you for having me. It's uh, always great to talk to you. And uh, in New Jersey right now, um, but uh, man, have I loved watching the Jets this year? This has been uh, this has been a fun year. Well, I'll tell you what is good is this hockey team. Um, and yeah. listen, uh, you know we'll get into potential trophy winners. Um, the Jets have got a few candidates, but it really has been incredible. And I mean, I was amazed to see how when you know a number of media people were polled around the league that Rick Bonus wasn't really being mentioned as one of the top contenders for the Jack Adams trophy this year. And wow. I, I, well, I, the only way how is if you weren't paying attention to anything happening in Winnipeg over the course of the last <laughs> 12 years, because Mike, as we know, this team has a lot of talent, but was an absolute mess at the end of last season. And without any major massive roster changes, Rick Bonus has come in, changed the way the team plays, changed the culture around the team. I mean, it is the textbook coaching job. And I joked that, you know, Rick Bonus is uh, the, the equivalent of like going into a burning building, saving everyone, putting out the fire and eliminating the fire damage. And Jim Montgomery went into a beautifully furnished mansion and just tidied things up a little bit. I mean, not entirely fair because what Boston's doing is incredible, but... Um, this is one of the most impactful coaching jobs I can remember, not just in Winnipeg, but around the National Hockey League in a long, long time. Yeah, I, ag I agree with you fully. And I think Rick Bonus should be definitely in that conversation. Um, part of what you run into, I think, this year, which is interesting, is that there are a lot of great candidates. Um, look at the job that, you know, is being done in New Jersey right now with, with Lindy Ruff. That, that team's been great. Boston, you talk about Jim Montgomery. Yeah, he went to a very good team. He made changes there, though, to how they play. What if they have the best regular season ever? That's possible. Um, and you can say, well, yeah, Boston's good, and we know Boston's good, but they've never been this good. Maybe no team's ever been this good in the regular season, or the pace that they're on. So that's a hard one to argue with. Can they keep this up, Mike, just quickly on Boston? I mean, it has been. They've got five, what is it, five regulation losses? Yeah, in 46 we're, games. We're pushing game 50 right now. Um, I'll, I'll be honest. I mean, it, it is, and I joke, and we stump for our guy here in Winnipeg, but everything about the Boston Bruins this year has been absolutely out of this world. And you do wonder if this can actually be maintained, most importantly, once you get to the playoffs. Yeah, so they're playing at an 848 clip right now, points percentage. Pretty uh, good. Are they going to finish the season there? Probably not. I mean, that's next to impossible, but... Could they be north of 800? I mean, it's not a mirage. This team, you know, they score more than anybody. They allow the fewest of anybody. They're elite in all of their process-related stats offensively, all of them defensively, and they got a great goalie. So I don't know what you're picking apart or, or saying, oh, yeah, regression's coming because of X, Y, and Z. It may to some degree just because of, you know, a certain malaise that's going to set in potentially at some point because everyone's human. Um they're not a weak team really in any area. So they, I, could they set the all time record for most wins? Um, possibly. I mean, 
And Jim Montgomery has changed, made some changes in how they play this. So he does get some credit for that, in my view. But Rick Bonus, if you don't have him top three for the Jack Adams right now, then I agree with you. You just haven't been paying attention to the Winnipeg Jets over the years and this year close enough. Um, we know what Winnipeg's issues have been in the past. Uh, they, they can score. They've got an elite goalie. They can't defend. Uh, guys wouldn't defend for whatever the reasons are. And you can nitpick whether it was coaching, whether it was players not buying in, a combination of the two probably. But they're top 10 in expected goals against. They're top five in goals against. And um, that points a lot to coaching and how he's got them defending in their own end way better. So that's a specific example of here's what a coach came in. Whether it's, I, I don't even know that it's so much that it's like, yeah, here's this new way to play defense that's going to make us great. But he found a way to connect with the players that clearly other coaches weren't able to do to get this group to play that way. And you get credit for that. How much um, how much credit should coaching get for special teams improvement? And is it different in your mind between the power play and the PK? Yeah, no, I, I think there's there's credit that should go there for sure and, and difference between the power play and the PK. Um, it, it, it kind of, in a way, is similar, I guess, to even strength where you're just looking at the most efficient ways to to do things to achieve the results you want to achieve. Sure. Um, at the end of the day, you know, I'm sure if you talk to the coaching staff, and I, I did talk to a member of the coaching staff earlier this year when I'm, I'm noticing a lot of these real elite defensive numbers they're putting up just in general, um, and a lot of the focus was the players deserve credit for buying in and executing. Um, I talked to a lot of people that played in the league, and especially about penalty killing and team defense, and a lot of them say, like, it's not a skill so much as it is just an effort. Do I want to put in the work? Do I want to stop and start and not take a loop? Do I want to get back as hard as I get up the ice? All those things. Um, and and they're, they're doing a lot of that this year. So um, whether it's coaching in terms, I don't know that it's so much the X's and O's of, A, look what we figured out after 100 plus years of NHL hockey that no one else has thought of. Um, but uh, finding a way to connect with your players to get them to do the things you want them to do every night and be consistent with it. Well, it was just so funny. I mean, we were talking off air about Andrew Kopp and Kopp last year and over the years was a huge part of, um, you know, this team and a whole bunch of different levels. I mean, he was a very versatile player, but he had a quote last year amongst many that were sort of eye poppers from Winnipeg Jet players about the PK. And there were some changes that were made under Dave Lowry and, he was saying, well, it's nice that we're not just p- pulling out the lawn chairs and waiting for something to happen. And, you know, they've added some speed. They've certainly added some new personnel that have got it done. And, I mean, that PK number, there's been a number of games where, you know, the Jets had to kill penalties in the last five minutes of the game against quality mm-hmm. teams. And that does make a difference in the standings when you when you break it all down. Um, Mike, listen, the, the Winnipeg Jets can score. We've always known that. Mark Shifley scoring at a clip that we have not seen before as far as goals. But there's been a lot of Cy Young jokes about Mark this year (laughs) because of how many goals he's scoring and the lack of assists. And you did a great piece, folks. Go to Mike's uh, Mike's Twitter feed, at Mike Kelly NHL. Um, It is uh, pinned to his uh, his, uh, uh, profile. Um, Just talking about the season that Shifley's having and why the numbers are what they are. Um, Just before we get into that, the biggest conversation about Mark Shifley wasn't about scoring or wasn't about assists. It was about buying in 
to playing the 200-foot game and being a better, more committed player in his own end. And for the most part, he's done that this year. And I think that might, more than anything, be a sign of the bonus effect on this club. Um, but talk to us a little bit about what you broke down and uh, the strange aberration of Shifley scoring a ton but not getting as many assists for a guy that can pass like he can. Yeah, it's funny. It was, it was We're getting close to the midway point of the year. I was just looking at different things and noticed a pretty big anomaly. And uh, look, this guy's like Cole Caulfield. You look at his numbers this year, he's out for the year now, but you know, way more goals than assists. And, and that happens with some guys uh, for different reasons. Shifley is someone who's averaged 51 assists per 82 games over his last six seasons. He's a great playmaker. Um, and some of the things that I measure to evaluate a playmaker is not assists because that's dependent on two variables that the playmaker has no control over. The guy he's giving the puck to, you know, putting a good chance on net and the goalie not stopping it. So when I look at playmaking, I look at what are you setting up kind of independent of those things as well. And Shifley was top, you know, 10 in the league in a lot of key areas, completing passes in the ozone, completing passes into the slot, an expected assist model, um, really high. But at this point of the season, he was through uh 38 games and he had nine assists so i'm looking at he was sixth in the league at that point completing passes into the slot the guys ahead of him are you know marner panarin kucherov drysa the elite playmakers and not many ahead of them they've all got 20 plus assists 30 40 plus assists so it was this great anomaly and i'm watching video i watched video of all of his slot pass completions there was like 104 of them i think at the time kyle connor with great looks and just you know not scoring maybe as much as he could, would, should. He's been scoring a bunch, and, and we know what he can do. But, you know, Carson Kuhlman's, and, and we know who Shifley's line mates were when, you know, guys like Ehlers were out and Wheeler were out. So there was this correction that was coming, and it was kind of easy to see. Um, and so he's got six assists in his last 10 games. He had nine in his first 38. So you're starting to see that correction. But it was just one of those great anomalies that, uh, you know, really stands out at the midway point of the year. Well, it was funny. I mean, and Kyle Connor for... 47 goals he had last year was just straight up snake bit. I mean, he had two goals That's in the it. first. He had two goals in the first 14 games, and I'm pretty sure one of them was an empty netter. I think in the opening game of the season. Um, mm. And what's funny is that now Connor's on fire, but he's back playing with Pierre Luc Dubois, and they've really sort of spread it out. And we had the return of the Schwielers line with um, Shifley. Wheeler and Ehlers. I like that nickname. Yeah, well, it's nice. It just fits in very oh, well. Original? Yeah, that, yeah, that's that's an original nice. WST from here. You can uh, you can roll with that on NHL Network. I'll, I'll Love to get on that one. More more talk on the uh, on the on the Jets, but man, the Ehlers effect with this club, uh, it almost doesn't matter who he plays with, Mike. It seems they spend a hell of a lot more time in the other end. They've got chances off the rush. But now, seemingly, with Dubois and Connor together, Perfetti getting an opportunity there, Blake Wheeler's having a real solid season, and Shifley and Ehlers together, um, you know, the Jets could have sort of those two dynamic pairs um, and really two lines that can score right up there with the best in the league. Yeah, I'm with you. That top six in Winnipeg, when it's healthy, is as good as just about anybody. And... Um, Nick Ehlers can carry so much of the weight. Like, he he's one of the best players in the league and he's in the tier of the you know mcdavids and Braden points when it comes to skating the puck through the neutral zone so you know mcdavid does it more and better than anybody we know that but when you're talking about you know top five forwards in the league that can do these things barzal jack hughes 
Nick Ehlers is in there. And when you can transport the puck from the D zone through the neutral zone into the offensive zone, as you said, you're setting up a ton of ozone time, right? You're playing with the puck there. I think it was the game against Philly recently where he kind of did a lap and behind the net and set somebody up uh, for a goal, if I remember that right. But th- those are the kind of things you expect from him. So he's, he's like a sneaky star player that probably isn't viewed in other markets as a real impact difference making um, drive a line type of guy, but that's, that's what he is. And that's, so it's interesting, you know, because we, we nitpick when we get to the trade deadline and, you know, what does everybody need and all that? Like I look at Winnipeg's top six, as good as anybody um the bottom six i don't know that that's good enough right now if you and and the west is so open this year and when i say not good enough i mean it's so open that winnipeg could go to the cup final i i think they're that good if and we see what everybody does but when i start to kind of nitpick that roster are they going to get enough from the bottom six like looking at the last 10 games process wise expected goals percentage the top six well above 60 percent, like closer to 70 just carrying play the bottom six, you know, the third line Lowry lines, just under 50%. The fourth line's just under 40%. Um, you know, what happens in the playoffs if you start sawing lines off at the top because you're playing against great teams. Uh, that's where I wonder if Winnipeg will look to get someone on that third line, maybe um, slide things around a little bit. That can be an impact player. Well, you know what, while we were I got you and you mentioned that, I mean, we were just talking with Mike McIntyre, the free press who had an article about this on the weekend and a guy that we've talked about quite a bit. And there have been rumors connecting him to his hometown. We got in Jonathan Taves. Yeah. And I'm interested in your thoughts on where Taves' game is right at and what a guy with that versatility expertise in the face-off circle not to mention the intangibles in the experience but just as a player could add to the middle six of a winnipeg jets team for a playoff run that would be great um it'd give you more options for sure and where you slide guys around but he's a winner all those things that everybody knows his game is still good and he's had a real good bounce back in a in a tough you know, season in Chicago, right? Where oh. it's, it's tough to be on the right side of anything with that team, given where they're at. But um, look, it's not like he's going to come in and be the, you know, some people maybe forget the 2010 Olympics with Canada. He was named the best forward in the tournament. Crosby had the golden goal and all that, but Jonathan Taves was a force. Like he's not going to come in and be that guy, but he can come in and be a very good player. He knows how to win. He knows how to manage a game. A lot of important things in the playoffs. That would be a great get. Just, kind of surface level when i look at winnipeg i'm thinking you know middle six you know winger probably third line guy that could be helpful and you know top four defenseman can you do that um but look if you're adding jonathan taves you're you're better than you are without him so i'm not really going to complain about that either like well, i think top maybe- i mean just in that we were kind of saying if there were two things that winnipeg could get i mean if you could bring taves in obviously there's a salary yeah. part to it all with the cap and it crunches you a bit more the Jets have been in a great position. They've been building and been building cap space all season long as they've never been into LTIR, even with the guys that went on IR. And when you do look at the Jet blue line, I think there's certainly an argument to be made that an improvement in a top four defenseman could really help them if they're planning on making a long run. And I'm not sure that Taves and that guy are mutually exclusive Right. As far as depending on what the Winnipeg Jets are willing to get up, but they are one of the unique teams in the league that depending on what you're giving up from the roster and your cap, if you're bringing in one of those defensemen, 
I think the assets are there and the potential of fitting both of those players under the cap. And if that happened, it would be a, a huge move by Kevin Sheveldayoff and a big boost to this team's legitimate chances to make a long run. Yeah, and there's a lot of things to consider, obviously, right? You hear teams talk about not wanting to, if, if things are going well and Winnipeg's playing great, not wanting to mess with chemistry too much. And uh, that's part of it. Like, I look at the West this year, though, because it is open. Like, Colorado's getting healthier. They're playing really well right now. I still think when they get fully healthy and you get, you know, Nachushkin's working his way back still. He's playing, but, you know, with coming off that injury, um, Landis Cog will come back maybe, you know, mid-late February, they're hoping. I still think when, if and when they're back fully healthy, they're not quite what they were last year where they were so dominant. So I think it's winnable this year, the West. And I look at Winnipeg. I look at Edmonton. It's like, go for it this year. Um, you know, McDavid and Dreisaitl are, are smacking their primes right now. And in Winnipeg, you know, what's Pierre-Luc Dubois? I don't know this, but reports that, you know, maybe he's not long for, for being a Winnipeg Jet. You got a great window and an opportunity, I think, this year to really go for it. And you look at Jonathan Taves, it makes a lot of sense for a lot of reasons, right? He's a, he's a good player, a winner. He's from Winnipeg. Um, what about the wing? You know, it's not quite as sexy, but like uh, Ivan Barbashev or a Nick Bukestad, just to add a little bit of depth there, a little bit of punch. Those are guys that are kind of half a point of game guys and play in different situations. Um, you know, maybe of interest. You know, Blue Lion, obviously the big name out there is Chikrin, and I love Chikrin. I think he'd be great in Edmonton. He'd be great anywhere. Um, not feasible for every team, though. But, um, you know, what about Luke Shen? There, there's different guys you can consider. But my, my whole point is for any team like a Winnipeg uh, and Edmonton that can really go for it this year, I say swing for the fences. Trade those picks. Go try to get a cup this year. Mike, just before we go, you mentioned how wide open the West is. Um I mean, the Jets have the most wins in the West at 31. They're one point back at Dallas with a game in hand. And then you've got this mud of the Pacific Division where Vegas, Kraken, Kings, Oilers are all four points apart. Calgary, uh, sorry, Oilers, and then Calgary's two points back. And then you've got the Minnesota Wild and Colorado Avalanche, which both have like three games in hand mm -hmm. um, on these clubs. Well, when you look at that group, of the games in the pit. Let's assume that Dallas and Winnipeg are sort of in a in a pretty lofty situation. But of those other teams on the bubble, whether it be the Wild or the Avs, this is before we even get to Nashville and St. Louis, Edmonton, Calgary, LA, the Kraken. Who um who do you think is going to be the odd team out? I mean, uh, who do you have the most concern about when it comes to hanging around with these other teams? Obviously, there's a lot of hockey left to be played. Yeah, there's a couple that make me nervous for different reasons. So I think right now there's one team in the West that's not in that will get in, and that's Colorado. I think Nashville down is probably not going to make it. Not not because they're, you know, so far out of it or anything. I just, that's the way I see it. So let's assume Colorado gets in. That means somebody comes out. Um, Calgary makes me nervous because they've been so inconsistent. Jacob Markstrom hasn't found his game offensively. It's so much volume, not a lot of quality. They haven't figured out really an identity I think in the team, uh, it's been a bizarre year there. They make me nervous. Edmonton, they're rolling. I expect them to get in. Um, Seattle is on such an offensive heater, but we're 46 games in with them, and they score more at five-on-five five than everybody. They're so deep that, like, they can have a top one, two, three guys offensively go cold, and they can still score in their third and fourth lines. So not so nervous there. L.A. fascinates me to no end. Because this is a team that has a 
592 points percentage and has the worst goaltending in the NHL, objectively. Like their goal saved above expected is the worst in the league. It's almost a goal a game that it costs them. So imagine starting at minus eight goal differential. Yeah. And yet sixth in goals, expected goals against and first in inner slot shots against. They play exceptional team defense and cannot get saves. So like Copley's come in and won games, but I've had people ask me like, hey, like give me some numbers on Phoenix Copley. It really helped him turn I'm like, nah, he's been okay. He's winning. Um, but th- so that fascinates me because like imagine they're effectively almost starting every game down one nothing, and oh. they and they win a ton. That just shows you how good the team is, though. So I don't know if they can t- continue to get objectively league worst goaltending. Can they sustain their play long enough to get into a playoff spot? Or what if they get you know slightly better goaltending, something even close to average goaltending? How much of a wagon is this team going to be then? So. They fascinate me for a lot of reasons, but I think Colorado gets in and probably, God, Minnesota hasn't been great either, but you know, yeah, Calgary makes me nervous. I guess I'll say that. Well, I got to tell you, that's a, it'll be interesting conversations, and I would be shocked if it didn't come right down to the last couple weeks of the season. And uh, first things first, though, we'll see. We'll see whether LA can get a goalie maybe at the deadline, what the Winnipeg Jets do, a bunch of other teams, and uh Continued success to you, Mike, and uh, everything you've got going on over at NHL Network. Um, really appreciate you jumping on with us. And, uh, yes, talk up the Schwielers line when uh, they uh, light it up again uh, next time when you're doing the highlights. I will, I will. I'll give uh, full credit to you for that nickname. That's a good one. That's, uh, I want to see signs at Jets games with that Schwielers <laughs> line going. <laughs> Thanks so much for doing this, buddy. Really appreciate it. All the best. Yeah, anytime. You too, bud. See ya. At Mike Kelly NHL. Make sure you're giving him a follow. One of the best in the biz. Our good friend Mike Kelly from NHL Network. Um, and also working with uh, with Sport, uh, Sport Logic. He is a specialist in analytics, um, but also has a great, great eye for the game. Just one of my absolute favorites to have on the program. Um, all right. What do we got to do here? I think we're going to get some Bones clips coming up in just a second. But before we do that, I give a big thanks to the Nick and Nikki DQ group for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Hungry and on the go, pop in for one of the amazing stack burgers, the uh, Bacon Two Cheese Stack Burger, my personal favorite, Huss endorsed. Uh, and you can pick it up at any of the four Nick and Nikki DQs, DQ out in Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, DQ St. Anne's. Check out all their great Blizzard favors as well. And hey, if you like the DQ ice cream cake, have you tried the Blizzard cake? Oh my God. All available for you at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs. And if you do want a custom cake, you can give them a call or hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. Let them know what you want. They'll get it ready for a quick and easy pickup at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQ locations. And uh, hey, big game tonight for the Winnipeg Jets as they finish the road trip. Might be a good time to kick back with a couple cold ones. Then nothing better than Winnipeg's favorite local beer, Little Brown Jug. Have you tried the new Good Times Variety Pack WS Tears from Little Brown Jug? It's containing four all-new beers, including a stout, rye, extra special bitter, Kolsch, and West Coast IPA. Find it at Little Brown Jug, Liquor Marts, or anywhere that sells good beer. And if you haven't tried Bright Water... It's Winnipeg's only local sparkling water made with high-quality, all-natural extracts and filtered, dechlorinated water. 
Bright Water is zero proof, zero sweetener, and zero calorie, so you can consume consciously. Order from littlebrownjug.ca online or B-R-I-T-E bright hyphen water dot com. All right, we got to get to Cool Bet Lines. Busy night in the National Hockey League. Some big movement on that AFC Championship game in a minute, but uh, let's get Michael Remus back in here. Great stuff with the fellas today. Uh, always love having Mike Kelly on the program. That was a great get, Reem. I'm a big fan of Mike's work, and yeah, check out his Twitter, Mike Kelly NHL. He tweeted out that video of Shifley uh, just saying, hey, this guy should have more assists based on his passes to the slot. He's making passes. Guys aren't finishing or goalies are making saves. So control what you can control is what he's trying to do, and you can control how many times is Mark Shifley setting up guys. So we can joke about his Cy Young numbers, but and a lot of that isn't up to him. It's up to the guy who he's passing the puck to. Uh, a lot of talk about math in the chat. And, I mean, you should have asked. Do Scotty, the math. Do yeah, the math from uh, our uh, buddy yesterday. Two exactly. Pop with the analytics. Scardi says you should have asked him about four, four beers versus two liters of pop. <laughs> hey, do the math. That's You do the math. <laughs> So God, I watched that another five times last night. That is maybe the funniest Streeter interview I have ever seen. And the fact that it's gone viral and people around the world are seeing that as what is Canada absolutely cracks me up. And in some spots, it's uh, truly not too far off. Um, all right, Remo, do we have the bone stuff ready or you want me to get into the cool bed lines? Yeah, I have four clips. He didn't talk for very long. I'm just actually editing this. Someone comment in chat says you want to see like what a what it looks like back here. I'm making updating these graphics that we're putting on the screen. I'm hey, we don't we don't video. we don't invite I'm, you back into the back of the chi- uh, the kitchen while uh, the chefs are at work. Everybody. Yeah, I'm. What am a I lot doing? I'm, going ki- on. I'm kicking out bots from the chat. Uh, we had a I don't know who was sexy sixty nine popped in. I had to. Has Loveface uh, been around lately? Uh, I don't know. Love Face has a lot of different aliases. What about XYZ18 Sexy? I know they had yeah, popped in some... a couple times before and in around a few Marvel races. <laughs> Something like that. Okay, so I got the all these clips ready. You want me to just run? I don't have time to put them into our thing. Yeah, no, no, just fill us in. Uh, just fill us in on what they are. This is, of course, Rick Bonus Jets. Um, yeah. Probably a limited morning skate today, uh, I would imagine. It didn't sound like there was much going on with the, uh, with the club beforehand, but... Uh, Let's find out what Bones had to say in his uh, pregame media availability. Yeah, it's just Jeff there asking all the questions. So Jeff's doing a lot, doing some great work out there. So we didn't really get too many updates. Um, but here's Bones just asking what he wants to get out of uh, the game tonight against Nashville. Well, it goes back to Philadelphia. We had to win that game to give us a chance to uh, go home with a, at least a 500 record, hopefully better. So we needed that win, and we got it. And we want to go home with above 500 record. The, the way the trip started in Montreal was not was not the way we wanted to. Uh, we're quite happy with the last three games, uh, but now we want it, we do want to go home with a winning record. All right, there's Bones. Um, stating the obvious, hey, get a win and uh, come back three and two on the road trip after it started. Um, well, certainly not the way that he or anyone would have liked in uh, Montreal. Better game in Toronto, but the same result. All that being said, though, two big wins on the weekend. And now, really with an opportunity to uh, step on the throat of the Nashville Predators, who are in a pretty dire situation in the Central Rim. Yeah, pretty obvious uh, there. Wants to end the road trip with a winning record uh yes that's the goal but he was asked about tonight's opponent 
Uh, National Predators, and what do they bring? They're, they're a fort heavy fort checking team. They've got good size up front, and when they're coming at you, uh, they're looking to bang you around a little bit in your zone and spend some time on the fort check. They've also got two lines that are very creative on the rush, and they've got an elite defenseman in Soros who's unreal. Like he's 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 he's. He's always a, a Norris Trophy candidate because of his skating, his hockey IQ, and he doesn't hesitate to lead the rush. So they've got a lot of offensive weapons, and they can and they can play different styles of games, but they really want to get that forecheck going early. All right, there's a bonus with a little bit of a hat tip to Roman Yossi. Um, and, man, what a goaltending matchup, Remo. These two guys will be sharing the crease for the Central Division down at Fort Lauderdale and Connor Hellebuck and UC Saros. And, Certainly two of the top goaltenders in the National Hockey League this year. Yeah, Nashville. They've had a good track record here with goalies. With a Thomas Vokun, great goalie. Pekka Rene, Vesna winner. And now UC Soros All-Star making how many saves in that game? 60 what? 64. 64. Oh, man. And shout out Joe Daly, who also had 64. It's nice to see Joe on the all-time record list for most saves in a game. And so uh, there you go, Hust. Um I mean, he's a good goalie, and we'll have to wait and see. But it's nice hearing Rob Stanley say, you look, the, the Jets, all their guys are having career years, all playing well. The Stars are being Stars, and not quite uh, the same in Nashville. Has to move along. I got a couple more from Bones. Um, and this is the one Jeff was asking. You notice Rick Bonus on the ice, morning skate, uh, talking to guys, seeing what they're up to, getting a feel for uh, the situation here. And here's... Rick Bonus's comments on uh, why it's important to be on the ice in the morning skate. Yeah, well, every one of them. So it's important that we uh, talk to all our players, that communication is everything. So we never let them on a day or two go by that we don't talk to one of our players. And there's always certain players I target after a game that I talk to before practice, or if I, it, I can't get them all before practice individually. So the guys that I missed before, uh, I'll get them on the ice. Any uh, change of the lineup tonight at all? Well, however, there's a potential for, yeah, we got a couple of game time decisions. All right, real interesting stuff from Bones there talking about. And, you know, it just speaks to the communication improvements from the head coach to the players. Talked about what he did through the summer. But on a daily basis right now, it really does seem like he's got an incredible feel and pulse for this hockey club. Um, and Reem, as he mentioned, I mean, we're going to get to one more clip from him on uh, potential returnees to the lineup. Um, but it does look like they're planning on the same lineup tonight if everyone's able to go. A couple game-time decisions. I know we were wondering as to how Axel made it out of Sunday night after that big shot block that was celebrated by his teammates and his coach after the game. Yeah, I just have the lines on the screen here. I mean, going with just ended last game or how last game started. Connor Dubois, Perfetti, Wheeler, Shafley, Ehlers, Baron, Lowry, Kuhlman. Uh, AJF, Axel with Stanlin and Minalainen, Morrissey, DeMello, Dylan, Pionk, Sandberg, Schmidt. So we'll have to keep our eyes open on warm-up. Uh, who's in and Hellbuck starting in net. So I'm not oh, sure yeah, what changes. Just, I, I know people were uh, mentioning, yeah, Bones said Soros and then was talking about Yossi. Uh, I think it was just a little mix-up. Um, Soros will have a tough time winning the Norris Trophy while playing goaltender. So uh, I think that was just a little mix-up from Bones when he was talking about it. But um, you certainly know where Yossi is when he's out on the ice, and uh, beating UC Soros has been a tough, tough task. Uh, what was the last one, just on uh, Logan um, Stanley? Yeah, we're talking about uh, Logan Stanley. Seems like he shed the non-contact jersey. What's 
What's the update with him and Jeff? Asked uh, Rick Bonus. That just that. Logan Stanley has shed his non-contact jersey. I think he said he's been cleared to play, but I don't know if he's yeah, playing. He's getting closer. Yeah. What have you seen from his development throughout this process? Well, a really tough situation. I haven't seen him play a whole lot this year because of the injuries. Uh, in camp and the games he did play, we liked his physicality. We liked his size back there. Um, so, yeah, he's getting closer to play. All right, there's Bones, and um, that'll be interesting. I'll probably get a lot more on that once the team gets home after this road trip. Day off tomorrow, potentially a practice. Not sure what the schedule is, but uh, Buffalo Sabres in town on Thursday night. And um, both Logan Stanley, Mason Appleton, David Gustafson right now out of the lineup with injuries, looking to try to get back in. And every one of those players, I think, is going to have a real challenge to crack the lineup when they get healthy. And they're going to have to make the most of whatever opportunities come their way. Um, of course, more coming up. Actually, I'm going to be jumping on with uh, John Shannon and DT on the OB pregame show. It's starting up at uh, 5 p.m. tonight. So if you want a little bit more on that, I'm sure they'll have some more audio. Paul and Jamie will sit down with Bones to talk about tonight's game. Uh, but let's get to the cool bet lines today. See a busy, busy night in the National Hockey League, as we usually have on Tuesday. And uh, we'll start it off with the Jets and the Nashville Predators. And it's been a while since we've seen the Jets consistently being favorites on the road, but um, that is what they've uh, earned so far this year. Even the bookies kind of paying attention to the Jets. Jets minus 128 favorites, Nashville Predators plus 109. Over under on the game is six. And if you're really feeling aggressive and you want to bet the Jets to win by two, plus 200 on that. Um, we do have some goal scorers. See what the numbers are for Kyle Connor and the boys. Kyle Connor, as always, the shortest number plus 156. Ehlers at plus 185. Forsberg plus 190. Shifley at plus 205. Dubois plus 220. Wheeler three to one. Cole Perfetti plus 420. That's an interesting number. Some good value, maybe playing with uh, Connor and Dubois. Even a, a longer number for Perfetti than Adam Lowry. Maybe that's just saying that Adam Lowry is so due after going, what, 19, 20 games without a goal. Um, you got all the other props for the game available for you over at CoolBet. And uh, check out that Bet Builder feature as well if you want to maybe put the Jets to win along with a couple other actions, get a bigger number on that. Other games, Wings, minus 144, faves at home against the Sharks. The Juggernaut Bruins, minus 386. Favorites in Montreal. Puck line at minus two and a half. Ooh. Those LA Kings we just talked about with Mike Kelly are in Philly to take on the Flyers. Kings, minus 127 favorites. Florida got pumped last night by the uh, New York Rangers, and they're right back at it again tonight against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Penguins, a minus 159 favorite, playing the Panthers on the second night of back-to-backs. Wild and Lightning in Tampa. Tampa's favorite at minus 158. Devils, minus 183 favorites at home against Vegas. This is interesting, though. New Jersey's home record, not good at all. Vegas's road record, amazing. These are two of the best road teams in the league. Maybe it'll help Vegas being in New Jersey. Vegas is at plus 155. We mentioned the Jets-Nashville game. Other games tonight, Buffalo right back at it after their OT win in Dallas. They're a plus 113 underdog in St. Louis against the Blues at minus 133. Coyotes are favored. Oh, they must be playing the Ducks. And they are. 
minus 149 for Arizona, plus 126 for Anaheim. Capitals and Avalanche in Denver, Colorado, minus 137. And the coaching debut behind the bench for Rick Tuchet um, <laughs> going up for the Vancouver Canucks as they take on the Chicago Blackhawks, Vancouver, a minus 224 favorite. Yeah, hang on. It's funny. I look at the uh, money puck percentages. Uh, yeah, 64% favorite. Um, it's funny, these matchups. Like, how many teams are they going to be favored against? The Coyotes against the Ducks, <laughs> Canucks against Blackhawks. So. Chicago. Vancouver, minus 224 favorite. May have to look at a little sprinkle on the visitors for that one tonight. <laughs> Yeah, um, I'll have to take a look Look later on. Buffalo got a nice uh, overtime win yesterday in Dallas onto St. Louis, who are getting Tory Krug back. They're looking to make a push. And it's funny, yeah, you did mention Vegas' road I can't believe Vegas's road record is so good and their home record. Maybe We, we never thought about the Vegas flu. It should flu be the other affecting, way around. Yeah, yeah well, we never thought about the Vegas flu affecting Vegas. We always talk about it affecting the visitors. <laughs> That's out of Although I am I am seeing us um, people tweeting that the Vegas games are now you know being a lot of tourists and visiting fans more so than home fans as you know having a team that maybe the novelty weren't often more people are traveling to go see uh, their team play in Vegas because uh, I like to go do that at some point and you only you yeah. know, the Jets only play there once or twice a year. Yeah, it's a fun split crowd now um, for often, especially on the teams where who's their fans that travel a bit better. Uh, new Lock Shop is in the books today. You check out our YouTube channel at Lock Shop Bets. Make sure to give a sub there. And if you uh, retweet the uh, t- pin tweet at Lock Shop Bets on Twitter and sub to the channel, you'll be in for that $1,000 giveaway as we count down to our first 1,000 subscribers. We did hit our picks for the Farmers Insurance Open on the PGA Tour because it's starting tomorrow. Jim Nance needs to call the AFC Championship game. So they'll go Wednesday to Saturday for the Farmers Open at Torrey Pines. Check that out and uh, get your picks in. If you're in a golf pool or something like that, just remember it starts on Wednesday. And just while we finish up these lines, let's check out the NFL lines for the weekend. Eagles and Niners has been static at minus two and a half for Philadelphia at home. Niners plus 125 underdogs on the road on the money line to win. Eagles minus 147. But we have had a ton of line movement in this Bengals-Chiefs game. Odds makers opened this one up at Chiefs minus one and a half. Almost immediately, people started betting the Bengals, and it doesn't look like that has stopped. Cincinnati is now a two and a half point favorite in Arrowhead and minus 133 on the money line. The Chiefs getting two and a half points and plus 113 on the money line. I saw this get to two last night and basically even money for the Chiefs. And I tweeted out, Remo, wondering whether this was it. It couldn't continue to you know, go more in favor of Cincinnati, could it? Well, it has right now. And I never thought there was the possibility of the Bengals having to lay three on the road, but we are getting close to that right now. As um, everyone thinks Joe Burrow's the best and the Bengals are the best team around. And obviously with all the concern about Patrick Mahomes' ankle, maybe we shouldn't be surprised that there is just so much momentum on the Bengals' side of things. 
People are hot for uh, Joe Burrow. Us, uh, I mean, they should be defending AFC championships. They just took out the team of destiny, uh, the Buffalo Bills. Um, this guy's pretty good. He's got good receivers. Now they got to go into KC. We'll see how that goes. I, I think this Eagles minus two and a half us. I mean, they haven't been challenged all year by anyone, really. I know San Francisco's good, but they do have the rookie QB. So I would go with the team, you know, the best team in uh, the conference that's going up against a rookie Q QB. So go with the uh, Eagles here. I think I'm going to lean there. Well, and what was interesting, if you look at the Super Bowl winner odds, Reem? Yeah. Yesterday it was the Eagles and Chiefs at plus 250. It was the Bengals at plus 300 and the Niners at plus 335. Well, the Niners are at plus 340 right now. The Eagles have fallen at plus 240. And uh, that delta between the Bengals and Chiefs is gone. And they're both at plus 275. So, listen, I don't know. I'm not sure that they're going to be talking much about Mahomes' ankle. He's going to play. He fired up a pretty awesome hype video last night on both his Twitter and Instagram feed. And that was all I needed to know, Reem as I continue to stay very positive about this... the man wearing 15. I, we were talking on the lock shop today. When was the last time the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes were a home underdog? It, 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 it had to have been probably the first few games of his career as a starter. Yeah, I'm trying to think, what about against the Tom Brady Patriots? Because remember when? Remember that time the Patriots went into Arrowhead and won Hus? Yeah, you, I was remember, there. I was there. The AFC Championship was? game. <laughs> That was just another example of Tom Brady getting absolutely bailed out by a game-changing borderline call from an official. Yeah. D Ford lining up an inch offside nullifies the what would have been game-winning interception. Uh, and then they went down and scored in overtime. I uh, wish you hadn't brought that up. Hopefully, I will have a much better memory of this AFC Championship game than uh, than the one back in uh, back in 2018. Yeah, sorry about that. That's, uh, That's okay. That's I was okay. you asked the question. All positive. I can't. I'll be honest. I was texting my buddies last night. I've had a hard time concentrating on anything. I am so fired up to get out there. This is this is going to be amazing. And I will say this: the Bengals, all of a sudden, who were like the plucky, lovable underdog are now talking so much smack. Eli Apple has become hilariously the spokesperson for the defense. And now you've got a lot of Bills fans saying, I can't believe I'm saying this, but go Chiefs. So uh, very different situation. Injured quarterback, the underdog. It's going to be cold, potentially snow at the game on uh, on the weekend. Chiefs are going to have to lean on that, uh, on that running game um, and their defense as well. And we'll see what we get out of Patrick Mahomes. Anyways, if you do like the Chiefs to win this game, if you are a believer in Mahomes, uh, I'm not sure you're going to get a better number than plus 113 on the money line. But I've been thinking that for the last 24 hours as it continues to go. So uh, check it out at CoolBet. If you haven't played a CoolBet before, use the promo code WST when you're making that first deposit for a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks on your first deposit over at coolbet.com and make sure to check out the latest lock shop with myself and Dustin Nielsen. I'm good fade material right now. I'm ice cold picking hockey. Um, so you might want to just jump on and take the other side right now. Uh, golf is pretty good last week. We'll see what happens this week. Uh, Remo, looking forward to this game tonight. See if the Jets can come back three and two.
Yeah, I bet it's a big one because they do have that soft schedule coming up, which we've shown. So uh, I think it's a big divisional matchup. I'm looking forward to it. And I, se- I prefer the 7 p.m. starts uh, to the 6 p.m. Uh, so that'll be that'll be nice. And um, before we go, I do got to say, you know, last night we were talking about what we we're going to watch. I watched uh, Minor Night Raw 30th anniversary. And yes, I can't say I, you know, I'm feeling like pretty old these days. Um, you know, I'm. <laughs> I'm home. I realize I got two kids, but then when uh, DX they called Degeneration X to come into the ring on the Raw 30th anniversary, and it's a bunch of 50 year old men. Degeriatric X. Yeah, doing cross chops, and then they get challenged to a fight, and they all can't wrestle because they're too old. Like they're who they challenge the big heel Gunther to a fight, or Gunther challenges them, and Triple H is like, "Oh no, I'm retired. He had heart surgery." (laughs) Uh, Xbox complaining of like shin splints. Like Shawn Michaels got back problems for years. Road Dog. The shin splints for Xbox cracked yeah. me up. That was good. Yeah. Road Dog's, you know, he's pretty overweight. So was, I'm just like, where has the time gone, Hustler? That these guys. Kurt Angle still looks good. Man, he can't move his neck. He's like, he's like this out there. He can't, he can barely. That guy's had a lot of uh, neck issues too. So. Waiters, um, good point. No Stone Cold was a fail. Undertaker did come out on, um, I think he choked, or no, he was going to choke slam LA Knight and then he turned him over to Bray Wyatt. They're apparently having a pitch, pitch black match at the Royal Rumble. I'm not sure how one views a pitch black match, but that's apparently, that's apparently in the mix. I don't know how good that'll be viewing wise for the big event. Listen, this bloodline storyline though, Maybe the best. I've liked wrestling for a long time. I don't watch it all the time. It might be the best story that they've done in pro wrestling in a long, long time. This has gone almost a year. And Sami Zayn, the Canadian dude, one of the most hilarious performers. Um, he is. It, it makes the show. He had a big night last night with the Usos and... Uh, I don't know, setting up for a big Royal Rumble, which is on Saturday, by the way, folks. I originally thought, what, they're going up against the championship games? No, they're no. not. So uh, set your PVRs if you're not going to be able to make it, if you are a subscriber to the WWE Network. It's amazing they finally switched all the pay-per-views to Saturday. Right? They were Sunday for the longest time. Um, and then they, you, know, you come to school on Monday and talk about the pay-per-view last night, but... The Saturday night's pretty way better. Some of them are going back and forth. I, I agree, though. I mean, you know, like all the big fights, UFCs are on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Boxing's always been traditionally on Saturday. It did make sense. Um, and there's a lot of spots on the calendar, like this weekend, where Saturday makes way more sense than going up against something like the NFL. And by the way, for any wrestling fans, I think the Elimination Chamber I saw, which is always the one after the Royal Rumble, is actually in Montreal in like three or four weeks, uh, February eighteenth maybe. Um, yes, there. So accurate. Um, anyways, if you're making a making the trip out, it's a Saturday, and uh, judge your viewing accordingly. Um, all right, that's gonna do it for us. We should get out and get these pods up so people can listen uh, on their way home just in time for the game. Great turnout today. Thanks for everyone that popped by. If you haven't already, make sure you're subscribed to the channel. Just hit that red subscribe button on YouTube. And thanks to everyone for the likes. Over 200. Gotta love it. Um, Enjoy this game tonight. Jets will be back home tomorrow. 
and back in action Thursday night against the Buffalo Sabres. But first up, one more stop in Music City. We'll see whether they can come back with a 3-2 and two record on this road trip after dropping the first two. Huge thanks to Mike Kelly from NHL Network, Robbie Stanley from NHL.com, and our weekly visit with our pal Mike McIntyre. Thanks to all of you for making WST a part of your day. And once again, a huge thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. That is going to do it for us, gang. Enjoy the game tonight. We'll catch you tomorrow, 1 p.m. right here on WST. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.